right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast, uh, also known as the Big J Journalism podcast now, if you will. Solly here. TC is here in the Kill House. Hello, TC. Greetings, Solly. Glad to be back in Florida. I got uh, Wood. Uh, that's that's Woodward and Bernstein is calling in on the line. Uh, DJ Pie is here. Hello, DJ Pie. Hey, guys. Happy to be with you. Thanks for having me on the, on the program. We're going to have uh, a lot of stuff to discuss tonight. First up, there were, can you got? I'm just going to throw this question out there. Which which brand do you think had the most putters in play at the BMW Championship? I think oh it was God, Odyssey. I got one guess. Okay, what is it? Odyssey. See, I think a lot of other people would guess something else, but you're exactly right. It is really? Odyssey. That's great. Not a lot of people think this way, but it continues a pretty significant trend. As Odyssey was the putter brand played most often at every single major on every single tour this year and last year, for that matter. Uh, so whether it's the classic insert in the White Hot OG, the shape of the Odyssey 11, or other progressive mallets, or the super clean milled look and feel of the Toulon line, there's something for everyone. TC has all of those and more currently in his bag. <laughs> I was, was, was going to say, it's the leading it's the leading putter category uh, in you know, on Taurus sauce or in any, in any NLU event, just because I have three or four of them in my bag at any given time. Uh, my Odyssey O-Works 7 got a feature on Golf WRX this week, which I think they were kind of Congratulations. Mocking, mocking me more so than anything. Which but. also, we got a lot of messages on the Instagram. Uh, when we went out with Stephen Cox, he brought an Odyssey he did. out, and people were like, oh my God, did Sally replace his putter? And I said, no, no, it's just the loner. No, no, Fear no. Fear not. We're all good. So take a look at Odyssey, the number one putter on tour at odysseygolf.com. That's Odyssey, the number one putter on tour at odysseygolf.com. BMW Championship Week. TC and I were on site this past week as well with Casey, who uh, is a member of our team who has, has not been a guest on our podcast. She works more on the merchandise side. But three of us were out there for the majority of this week, flew back today uh, to watch the final round, but ended up spending most of our time uh, on phone calls today, figuring out some uh, reporting, which we'll get into the back half. Which, which thanks to American Airlines as well. Thank you, TC, for thanking Timely American. arrivals both to and fro. Philadelphia, which is a shitty airport. It's like a glorified bus station. It was not good. We can get that out in the tractor. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Cantlay wins his eighth tour event. Again, in line with a lot of what we'll talk about on the back half of this. Not bad timing for a key player like this to be in line for a very big uh, potential payday on the FedEx Cup. But I think given the leaderboard, it's probably a little bit of a disappointment for fans and the tour alike, right? I agree, but I also hate to like over uh, dramatize every week on the PGA Tour. But it also could be pretty, you know, the more that these guys that are influential in the shaping, the future shaping of the PGA Tour, the better they do cash wise at the end of this FedEx Cup, the more likely that there's some strength that accumulates around the around the PGA Tour. I would say so. In that regard, for the sustainability of the PGA Tour, might be a very good thing for golf fans. Which yeah, Cantley sounds like he asks a lot of questions. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> it's less questions for him to ask. Professional question asker, uh, Scott Stallings made a an, an incredible run. Honestly, all week um, he it's, I didn't I looked it up. I thought it had been more recent that he'd won a PGA Tour event. Twenty fourteen was his most recent win. He's been playing some serious serious golf uh, this year as well. Yeah, really. Since I mean, uh, Colonial Charles Schwab Challenge T four T eight at the Travelers T four at the John Deere uh, top ten at the Rocket Mortgage and then T thirteen at Wyndham and then this week. So. Yeah, it seems like he's just found a like a mid-career renaissance. He's hitting the shit out of the ball. Like 
ball striking, irons are back in a big way. Uh, it's good to see. He's he's a quality guy. I really like Scott. Yeah, he's uh, you know he he's. I'm not going to say necessarily he's a fan favorite, but we can we can definitively say he's a great dude to hang with, great dude to chat with, and somebody that I think we all kind of quietly and privately uh, privately root for. But um, I feel like you guys, you know, I, I can't really weigh in for again. We, we're going to talk a lot about the the report on the back nine I, or on the back side of this podcast. I did not watch a lot of golf today. I feel like you're really not giving the fourth ranked player in the world uh, I know. his due. As Winning soon as I today, mentioned Stallings, kinda, I was like, I went too fast past yeah, that. Yeah, you kind of skipped me. right over him. Cantley's been playing. I, nobody, you know, I, I'm, I wouldn't call myself the biggest Cantley fan in, in the world. I certainly don't mind him. He just doesn't, I guess, do a ton for me. But he's been playing some good golf, man. Going back to the the heritage. Second, missed a cut at the PGA, which, of course, we can we can talk about as part <laughs> of a larger theme. Uh, T3 at Memorial, T14 at the U.S. Open, T13 at the Travelers, T4 at the Scottish, T8 at the Open, T2 at Rocket Mortgage, and then kind of a weird 57th last week at uh, St. Jude, which is actually a place I would think he would play pretty well. But uh, yeah, I mean, and and a win this week defending his uh, defending his title. So it's I, I can't add a lot to the conversation. I don't really know what there is to say other than, you know, very good. Very good. Glad he's out there doing it. (laughs) Glad he's out there doing it. I I do think, you know, as we're going to allude to this, I don't know, 700 times before we actually talk about it. But if the tour is headed towards more of a kind of stars only, um, you know, almost like the haves and the have nots sort of, of system. I mean, it only gets more interesting as, as Cantlay racks up more wins, right? Like I, I don't, I think he's good when he gets in the press room. I think he had kind of a uh, almost like a little dalliance with uh, with being a, a media favorite there for a couple of weeks last year when he was given some really good press conferences. And, you know, I think he's kind of one of those guys that you're only going to really seek him out like if he's winning and he's kind of like kicking the door down. So I, I'm a fan of having him around, you know, more more can't lay in our lives. I, I, I do think is a good thing. That said, I, I can't say that it particularly moves me to to see this victory, but you know, I don't, I just, I don't want to give him short shrift either. Here, he, he doesn't spark emotion, right? But I, I, he does. He must win a lot because I feel like I say this a lot. Hey, if you want to get to know Cantley, go back to our podcast interview with him yeah. because he's, he, it's like, I don't want to say surprisingly insightful. A lot, he's of, it's, it's well known. He's a very yeah. thoughtful person. He has been extremely involved in a lot of the other stuff going on with the PGA Tour and uh, has has voiced many opinions as as I understand throughout this entire process and. Uh, at the same time, like somebody that also carries another guy with him when it comes to commitment to the PJ Tour, and that's Xander Shoffley. So. I think uh, he damn near made that putt on the 72nd hole, uh, which was <laughs> impressive. Um, we got to talk about the bounce on 17. Yeah. The only reason we're sitting here talking about him winning this tournament, or likely only reason, is a ball that... So first of all, what was interesting about Wilmington all week was if you hit a ball offline, like even remotely offline, it wasn't going to stop until it got somewhere it didn't, you didn't want it to be. They had a tornado a few a few years ago, I guess, and cleared out a lot of trees, especially on this kind of one corridor on the back nine. And it was very firm to where you know there's plenty of airflow, plenty of grass going, all like big, big rough right close to the, the fairway. But then as soon as you got off of it and it was trampled down, it, the ball would run, like you said, for 60 yards. But like if you hit a ball like just a little off the fairway, it was net, not going to get – that's the only good bounce I saw outside the fair, like in the thick stuff, yeah. to bounce on the downslope into a bunker, over the bunker, into the fairway, and to go on to make birdie from there. That was uh, about as good of a break as he could have realistically expected. I think I need to go back and listen to the pod we did last year after he beat Bryson in the epic playoff at Caves Valley. <laughs> 
Because I mean, because he's gone back to back at the BMW, That's which sick. to go back to back anywhere is pretty impressive, considering the extra media you have to do and just kind of the expectations inherent and everything. But 68, 68, 65, 69. So I mean, four rounds in the 60s. Same thing with Stallings. But yeah, just rock solid today. Didn't really. I think he was two under on the back nine coming in. Obviously had a good bounce there. But fairways, quality ball striking, putter looks to be in a good place. It, it just in those kind of conditions, like the cream is just going to rise, really, and uh, you just have to play. It's such such a grind to control your rollout for that long to play that much chess when the, when it's firm, the ball is going to roll off. If you're offline even a little bit and land it in the fairway, it's not going to stop till it hits rough. And then once you're in the rough, stopping the ball in these greens was nearly impossible. So every time you're hitting from the rough, your ball is probably going to end up in a in. On, in a spot on the green that's above the hole because just because it's going to keep rolling to a different spot. And then you get up there and you're putting on firm greens that are glossy, that you are definitely lagging it and not able to take a lot of breakout. And when they're that firm and you have the brown spots, the ball just doesn't roll as true. Like it's not just gliding on the same surface the entire time. So like doing that on repeat for 72 holes is exhausting. I think it was a great tournament to have twosomes because if they were in threesomes for this and the, in these conditions, when the guys arrived earlier in the week, I think they thought they were going to tear this place up. And 14 under winning score is a bit of a surprise to me sitting here. Is there anything you guys, so I know you guys were out with Stephen Cox looking at some setup stuff. I'm kind of putting two and two together here and, and accepting uh, Caves Valley, I know was kind of a, a dartboard last year, but the, is there any coincidence to BMW typically having these like firmer setups? I mean, looking back at like Olympia, looking back at some of the other courses they have, it just, it seems like they turn it up for this tournament. And I got to think that's just kind of happenstance. I know it's probably the same PJ tour setup team. It's not like the, the Western golf associations out there, like setting up the course differently or something like that. I just, I think it's really interesting that this tournament kind of seems to be the one that, that keeps popping up and they're going back to Olympia next year too. Right. I think it's luck. I well, mean, it's, no it's, rain. It's, it is luck, but at the same time, I think yeah, I, like like I asked Stephen this exact exact uh, question. I was like, hey, like is this coincidence or is this something that you guys are actively trying to promote? And he said, well, yeah, like you know, everybody all year says we want to see firm, we want to see firm, and then it happens, and then some of the players are like, whoa, 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 you guys are <laughs> on the back. We're on the edge to loosen this thing, man. I, like, I meant well, for the other players, no, not, not for me. Yeah. I don't want it to be firm for me. No, no yeah, exactly. But uh, but I do think there's there's at least within the tour, uh, he kind of intimated that there's more of an emphasis on, hey, this is the playoffs. Let's make it, let's make it more of an elevated you know, kind of similar to a major, you know, or, or at least try to get there if the weather cooperates. Now, some years you're simply not going to get that, but, uh, but like it's, it just hasn't rained there and they didn't throw a lot of water on the greens. And like, we saw so many wedge shots that, I mean, Rory, we were following Rory on Friday. He almost like literally landed it in the hole. Uh, two or three times and the ball barely held the green with a wedge and it's chips too like the chip the first bounce on a chip is just like a skid like it's not gonna get you know it, and watching dudes hit this approach shot into 18 on saturday it was a front pin it was super firm you're hitting way uphill and if you're short on this shot it ball the ball rolls 65 yards back to the bottom of the hill so you had to like take on the very front of the green because you needed it to hit there and not climb too high that it misses, that it goes above the ridge in the middle. And if you caught the slope, it came right back to like three feet, but you had to hit a spot so tight. And it was wild to like watch guys hit the shot. And it's like, oh, that's short, that's short, that's short. But land it right in the front, have it skid, and then roll past the pin, even with wedges in. Like you just don't see that on the PGA Tour very it often. Was, it was an interesting course because it, it was built in the 
kind of the quote-unquote dark ages with, you know, Robert Trent Jones Sr., I think in the 60s. Andrew or Keith Foster came in, uh, you know, our favorite kind of Jeff Corwin, you know, <laughs> Animal Kingdom guy. And then Andrew Green came in. There's some crazy slope in a lot of the greens. Like the first one we went out to with Steven was was at five. Five, yeah. And like 70% of that green's like not pinnable. <laughs> Which like in a drier or a wetter week, they could have. Yeah. It's just like the kind of decisions that they have to be made on a week to week basis of like, hey, if we like, of course we want fast and firm and you can't pick out your pin positions, you know, four months in advance because you don't know what kind of conditions you're going to get. But the other thing was like, they're really big greens. And so, you know, to the point where a lot of them flow over the sides of ridges or around bunkers, which you don't always see week to week on the PGA Tour. And I think it allowed them a lot of creativity and uh, flexibility as far as the setup goes, kind of to the point where they had to risk or they had to they had to kind of take themselves back from tucking too many yeah. because there's interesting slopes in the middle of these greens as well. And that, that was a takeaway. I got to play the Pro-Am on Wednesday if you didn't get a chance to listen to our midweek pod. Um, and the takeaway was like tee to green. Is that like my favorite style? Of course, absolutely not. I, I found it, you know, a little monotonous, a little dull to have narrow fairways, thick rough and deep bunkers on like framing the fairways. I just, that's Robert Trent Jones style. Don't really care for that. Once you get on the greens, it was extremely interesting. Huge greens, big undulating slopes, big themes in them. Instead of just random humps and bumps, it was like like the back half of five green was it was it was it was brilliant. Like if you bailed out away from the pin to like that those left pins, you're gonna have a fast downhill, huge breaking putt. Right? It was a a true element of risk reward. If you went at that pin and were able to get it underneath the hole, it's a great birdie look. And it was like that on repeat. Like every safe shot you took, you're going to be putting from a really tricky spot. And uh, I don't know, made for an interesting, interesting watch. I thought this week it's again, it's not like I wouldn't say it's brilliant, but I, I came up with my rankings for recent BMW uh, courses. I'd say it's how far back we going. I, I would just say better than caves. Yeah. Better than Conway farms. A little better than Medina. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'd put it above Medina. Not as good as Aronimic, not as good as Olympia. I think that's fair. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's going back to Olympia next year. I think Olympia is going to be fantastic, especially if the weather cooperates again. <laughs> they're they're under a little bit of a, a tough tough decision as far as next year. I think at Olympia because they switched the nines, uh, but didn't like they didn't have fans out there. <laughs> the year they switched the nines and they got to do the whole build out, uh, which they, like wasn't a consideration. Yeah. yeah, so I think they're not. I don't. I think they're going to go with with what they did last time and just get creative, but it's going to be interesting to watch next year. I, I don't think they need to do that. I mean, they, they flip the nines at Eastlake and you, your memories change really quick. Like, I just don't think people are going to associate it that much to a tournament. That it's, it's going to be three years old by that point, but I don't know enough about it. And then we've got, that. we've got castle pines, I think in 2024. 20, and then, uh, Gosh, and then we've got I think caves, caves and then Bell Reef, which I'll reserve I'll reserve comment on behalf of our of our proud partner BMW. Who knows uh, where we'll be in twenty in twenty five and twenty six? But I, I will also say, talking to some players out there this week, it was I don't I think that the, the reviews of the course were mixed. But a, a comment I heard more than once was like, "But this fits really well in these playoffs. Like very different than Southwind. So it's not like the the three courses are not same style." So like a certain kind of player can get hot and clean up all the money. It's like the, the type of player that would thrive at Southwind might not necessarily be the same guy that would thrive this week and might not be the same guy that would thrive at Eastlake. And props to the people of Delaware, the Delaware, Delawareans, I think. Sure. Uh, um, they, they turned out in mass. Uh, you know, I know a lot of those people are coming down from Philly as well, but first time a lot of people have been to Delaware <laughs> this week or, or, or at least spent, spent significant time there. 
And uh, great crowds out there, great energy. They were they were happy to have the tour in town. Yeah. Can I tell you guys something to completely random? I went and played golf at uh, Lock LaBelle down the down the road for me in uh, Milwaukee here this week. Did you know there was once a boycott back in the day of the Western Open because the players thought they weren't getting paid enough money? Oh my! God. I just thought that was an extremely <laughs> extremely topical thing uh, on the week of the BMW Championship, and it kind of blew my mind a little bit. Would encourage would encourage people to look into that. Uh, Alex Smith and the boys just absolutely not having it. Uh, it was very interesting. Did not know that. Is that are you breaking some news? Are the tour is the tour players boycotting the PGA Tour? I'm not saying. I'm, I'm you know. I'm just saying. Uh, it, yeah. I just which on that note, chuckle. you know what? Like that would be a tough one to boycott because that means they're raising too much money for the Evan Scholars Foundation. Right. Which well, I think this was pre pre Evan Scholars Foundation. Okay. This was in like 19 like 13 yeah. or something like that. Which I will say, like we've you know we've had the the opportunity, the pleasure of kind of helping support that and just getting more eyeballs on it the last few years. And it has been like eye opening to see the impact that that has. It's, I think in my opinion, it's like the best, like number one golf related charity out there, like right there, neck and neck with like youth on course. It's like seriously changes people's lives. It pays for scholarships and there's accountability with it. There's all sorts of, it's just so well run. And yeah, it's, I love meeting uh, like graduated Evan scholars or people that are a lot further along in life because of the pride and, and support that they give to the organization and know how much it ch has changed their lives. Again, got to play the pro-am and, uh, they're, they're almost the, like the people who went to like a really annoying university, but <laughs> like actually a good really version great. of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, in the pro am, uh, I got to play. There was a, a video that went up on the BMW Golf Sport channel about the um, a woman that caddied in our group named Kayla, who was just a total rock star. She caddied for J.R. Smith, so I, I may, maybe they gave him the feature caddy or whatever it was, or whoever would be great on camera. But she was just a delight to hang with, and it's uh, one. It makes me feel really old uh, doing that kind of thing and, and hanging with the with the young caddies, but also just to understand the impact and talk with them. It's. Uh, I don't know. A very feel-good event if you're there on site. I know, I know a lot of that stuff doesn't always shine through on TV, but the, you know it's a, a, a common theme and experience we've had from all the BMWs we've been Yeah, it's just a first-class build-out, first-class spectator experience. They take great care of the players. Players love it. Uh, host hotel is always good. Uh, you also play with the judge. I was asking her oh, yeah. after the fact. I, I knew like, I had to pull you away from that conversation. You did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like 15 minutes in. I was like, we got to get you on the trap job. Like, I was asking her just like, hey, why are so many companies – headquartered in Delaware or, you know, this, this is kind of their de facto headquarters and just getting into all the, the legal ramifications of that and the opportunities it, it, that it affords as far as uh, being able to bring stuff to trial quickly, expeditiously, and, you know, just kind of, they're like, they're, they're set up for that there. Plus there's all sorts of tax reasons and everything, but uh, it was very interesting in the context of all the, you know, ongoing and pending litigation uh, within the golf world back to the uh the the, the birdies and bogeys i just again want to point out how numb we've quickly gotten to scotty scheffler being a, you know what a, a total totally took the words out of my mouth there he's the, is, he's is the new next week next week might be a total snooze fest yeah, yeah. Of, of giving that guy a uh, two-shot lead to to start the week is he just seems like he shoots 67 every day he, uh, he I, seems like an absolute front runner that is it could get really boring next week i think i'm ready to declare that uh the rom has passed on the torch and uh the, the new buoy is scheffler you just can't sink him he never gets out of contention it seems like rom has not had a very good year by his own standards i think we could say rom, rom finished two back of scheffler which 
Yeah, oh, Rom. But Rom, still, you know what I mean. We followed Rom so much. 67 today to, to come plummeting back, you know, or flying back out of the water. Free Willy style. <laughs> we thought Rom was going to kill somebody, like on Friday, on Thursday and Friday. We're like, all right, here comes the putter throw kind of thing. And he, he goes out and shoots 65, 67 on the weekend and starts. There's some signs of life there because we were starting to ask the questions. What is going on with John Rom? And is is sixty five, sixty seven without winning technically a Mackenzie Hughes? No, it's well, it's a par seventy one, and I don't, you know, a Mackenzie Hughes has to be under extremely, extremely difficult windy conditions as well. Okay, so cool. I just have to ask. Yeah, oh, of course, I appreciate you asking the question. Uh, shout out to KH Lee. He shot sixty five today. I think low round of the day. He, I think he finished like one outside the number last year to get into East Lake. So he he shot the low round of the day. Basically, he had to to get into Eastlake, which finished 26th. And then court, like, it was just such a stout leaderboard, which I think is a good, like, uh, just, there's 70 guys. Yeah. I just want to stay on the ROM note. I, I'm a little harsh on by, by declaring his year not very good. He's It's not been bad. It's just been, like, below what, definitely below what he did last year, which I think we all pointed out was, like, probably unsustainable last year. It's just not been, there's been no standouts of it, really. It's just kind of, you know, one to two shots gain, which like less than two shots gain for your whole career. You're a hall of famer, but uh, it just has not had the same. He's not had the same impact on this season. So, and then you've got Corey Connors played really well. T five for him. He keeps stacking up great finishes. 24th heading into East Lake. Adam Scott. He's, he was outside way outside top 30 heading into Memphis. He's uh, he finished 29th in the FedEx cup heading in T five for him as well. And then, I can't help but feel like Rory kind of kind of frittered this one away a little bit. It was just a little bit, you know, not sharp in certain areas. He had the triple on Thursday. A little bit, a little bit careless that there. He's probably uh, finishing his PowerPoint stuff, man. He's got to get he's got to get all kinds of shit done for this. So meeting. much homework. <laughs> yeah, man. You ever try to play golf a week or you got a big meeting coming up? It's impossible. He also birdied the, his last three holes today to kind of rise up a little bit, but. I mean, he shot 68 on on uh, on Thursday with a triple on a par three. A debilitating triple, like he was vibing his face off. Yeah, um, and then like Joaquin played well. T. I know I'm going down the leaderboard, I knew it. but like there we go. the fucking top ten was 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 stout. There was no, there was not a single pretender in there. Which, which again, just to to be explicit about this, I mean, I know it's a limited field. I know it's it's the top players, et cetera. But like, there's there's a reason why. The majors are filled up with, you know, the top of the major leaderboards are filled up with big names, right? It's the the firm conditions, man, are are gonna are gonna bring them bring them to the yard. That's mm-hmm. that's the way it goes. There's a reason why that should be the goal to replicate in the playoffs. I mean, bigger names winning these playoff events just makes it bigger and better and more fun to watch. And and I know that's very obvious, but it's it's worth shouting at every turn. And it's just really hard to get that this time of year in like humid yeah. in humid areas, right? Like it just is, you know, it, it's really not that far from Baltimore with the in Delaware. I mean Baltimore last year was just humid as hell and super soft. And they I guess they just it's just a luckier year when it comes to and rain they, and and they dodge moisture. some storms even on yeah. on you know Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah. Um and and you know talking to talking to some guys that finished or that they were not inside the top 30 uh, after Friday and kind of asking them like, Hey, like, do you think you would have made, like, I think if this was a full field event, if this was 140, 150 guys, would you, do you think you would have made the cut, uh, you know, based on how you play this week? And all of them to a man said, yeah, I do. Like it's, I think like the best players are, are here and there's something to be said for that. So 
Uh, watching Cameron Young, I thought Cameron Young was going to finish much higher, 72, yeah. 72 on the weekend. He was, uh, we watched him some on Friday, followed him, and holy shit, man. <laughs> like, I, like, I followed him at the U.S. Open a little bit, and I was blown away, but... There's those irons. It's it's insane. Can I say Tron does not pass this out lightly, but a, a very authentic and audible Jesus after a, a <laughs> shot is what it was the only reaction he had after a tee shot, which like we would specifically sought out his tee shot on three, and uh, like we we knew a big crank was coming. He's still just like. Jesus, man, calm down. It's just a Friday. <laughs> he hits it over this tree. That I mean, it's it's only like a hundred and. 20 yards off the tee. He and cut it around it a little bit. He did, but it was it yeah. was right up against it. Yeah. And it, oh, it was spectacular. And then <laughs> and then Matthew Patrick <laughs> stands up next and just blows one like directly into the tree. Dude, I mean, this tree is 120 feet tall and it probably got 80 feet into the tree. <laughs> it was not close to getting around it. He did make par. I'm sure he would like us to to note that as well. So. Do you have anything to say for Big Tone? He plays with you and then he goes out and shoots 77 on Thursday. I said this on Twitter, said it to everybody that asked me about it this week. I had many people coming up to me, what'd you do to Big Tone? Only thing I could say is, remember what happened when Faldo played with the cat at the Masters in 97? And like Faldo was, you know, he was defending Masters champions, still had game, you know, whatever, coming in. <laughs> like once he saw like what the cat had, he kind of had a realization of like, oh shit, like I, I can't hang with that. Once Tony saw how many birdies I made from like two fairways over and like having to duck under several different ropes from like uh, 5,600 yards from, yeah, about 57. <laughs> probably they had us back on a couple holes. <laughs> Once he saw like where I was making birdies from though, uh, it, you know, I, I think he just kind of couldn't recover after that. It's a bit of know. a, bit of a Norman Jong situation, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's a deep cut. You Norman Jong's back, man. He's no, no, no. Back. You don't get it. You can look. You can figure it out. Uh, Norman Jong's. Yeah, I mean, it takes a while to climb back up that mountain. I would expect to see Big Tone another. I don't know, four or five years from now, kind of getting his feet back under him. I got a uh, a tremendous, just a a, a very uh, ego limiting uh, play better from Morikawa oh, this week. That was tough. This was gr- <laughs> we're kind of watching a couple groups tee off on one, and we're standing like between the putting green and the first tee. And uh, like we're sitting there, we have like a media media badges on, and Colin, who walks up, who, I've done multiple hours of podcasts with this guy over the years, and uh, walks up. He's like, "Hey, are you walking with us today?" He thought we were the honorary observers, and uh, yeah, major big oof there. Which uh, I don't think I'm going to let him live that down. Which I get it. You're in the zone, like, and there's a lot of a lot of uh, white men walking around in polos and uh, <laughs> with beards. But uh, that was a uh, that 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 one that one stung a little bit couple other guys I like I I hate going down the FedEx Cup or like the top 30 here but there's there's a certain thing to be said about it where like a, at the beginning of the season you talk to caddies you talk to players so many of them have like this is like their number one goal is to make it to to East Lake because it means you're into all the majors it means like it's big for it means you had a great year and it's, it's the important. currency of the tour right yeah. of like you're gonna make a shitload of money. It means you made a shitload of money. You had a great year, and you're set for next year. Look at Max's. He posted on Twitter first time he's ever made East Lake, which I didn't even realize that. But uh, let's just. I, I will. I'm gonna take a page out of TC's book, and I oh. will go down the leaderboard as we preview next week for next week's leaderboard. So we're we preemptively going down the leaderboard. Correct. We have Scheffler at ten under, Cantlay at eight, Zalatoris at seven, Shoffley six, Burns five, and then Cam Smith, Rory, Finau, Straka, M at four. Rom Stallings, JT, Young, Fitzpatrick at three. Homa, Matsuyama, Spieth, Neiman, Hovland at two. 
Morikawa, Horschel, Hoagie, Connors, Harmon at one. Cage Lee, JT Poston, Sahith Tagala. We can talk about that. Adam Scott and Aaron Wise at even par. Seems about right at the top. I mean, I know Straka won and had a runner-up in, in the playoffs, and he probably is the one that sticks out as, you know, I wouldn't put him as a top-10 player this year, but that's also what the playoffs are and providing a little bit of volatility. But Scheffler, Cantley, Zalatoris, Shoffley, Burns. Which Zalatoris like, will be interesting. I mean, yeah. he, he had to withdraw. They had the, the you know, the physio out there. Uh, was that, yeah, that was yesterday, yeah, on Saturday. Saturday, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was interesting to watch because there's groups playing through and – all that, and then he bails, and then Grillo's just playing by himself. Um, Poor M. Couple of guys that real quick, yeah. I, I got to watch a de- uh, decent amount of Zal Torres, kind of really for the first time uh, over uh, nine whole period, and it was honestly a thought I had was like, man, you are just. I mean, this sticks out on TV as well. Tall, slender dude that swings it really damn hard, like really using the body. It's like, man, you just look like a rubber band, like it, it's just like a snapping rubber band. And didn't even get to the pod to say that to, before he had hurt himself. Not to say like his playing style is unsustainable in any way, but it was just like, man, how does all this work? Like, how does I really wanted to understand like how he swung the club and whatnot, and uh, how he slots it? And I felt like I was learning a lot from his swing, and then all of a sudden he's gone. It kind of sucked. Which also there was that clip of his putting stroke. There was a clip, and there was a putt before that that I saw in person. That was oh no, it's like. I, I haven't slept in a, in a few nights. Between that and Luke List's putting performance. Uh, during, during I, I've been adamant that he's freed up on those shorties, and uh, he has made a lot of them, most of them that have mattered this year, but he had a couple of slip-ups this week that I, I hope don't linger too long. So It was tough. Like, I thought he was going to whiff it in that clip. Not going to get prettier. It's it's decided that that is his, his style for hitting the short putts. But. I'll tell you who's really freaking good and just so under the radar, Aaron Wise. Yeah. Like he's just really, really good at golf. He, I mean, his, his putting was kind of in Luke List territory there for a while. Yeah. He's gone to the broomstick, and it's become not a huge weakness for a while there. We had Aaron Wise putting tracking going as a footnote on this podcast. It was that bad, but uh, the broomsticks helped him. And he's which on um, that note, can like, we just? I mean, Luke List, like he lost like what seven point two or eight 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 and a half, eight and a half shots to the field. It was in, one of the five in worst one, in one round. One of the five worst putting rounds in the in. Uh, PGA Tour history since they started tracking. Like the shot, <laughs> like going through his shot tracker. Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was one of the most jarring things I've ever seen. And then he comes back out the next day and has positive strokes. Game and putting. he was on the putting green working when we arrived on Friday <laughs> when we pulled up. I was like, there he is working on the putting. And he, I must have gotten something figured out, but it's not... Uh, I got, you, you were you were cold on Twitter. You pointed out I didn't even have the heart to point it out. I was just like, man, he's going through some stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna let him work through it. But TC just had to. Call I did a follow. Up. I know. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> and then yeah, Tagala. Let's talk Tagala because Team Sahith. The first time I've ever uh, engaged in the emotional experience that is Sahith Tagala and come out the other side, uh, not wanting to bury my head into a pillow and scream because he is off to the tour championship, baby. Had some great comments afterwards about how nervous he felt, feeling trembling and shaken, and it. Uh, and Zinger had some fired some shots at the, uh, I, I believe us, the boys, for for poking fun of how often he says pressure and nerves. I, I think that was probably the shotgun start. Could have been any. I think, they, I think they go hard on that. One. Okay, could have been anyone. Uh, and uh, pointed towards, yeah, like look at what these guys are experiencing. But it uh, it does speak to like East Lake meaning a whole heck of a lot. And, you know, East Lake's not always the most exciting tournament, and Tour Championship is. You know, we're all kind of exhausted at this point and don't really, I'm not, not heavily invested in who wins next week. Uh, but it is, you know, kind of, I guess you feel it a lot more on site just for how much, you know, these guys are working their ass off to make that tournament. Tom Kim didn't make it. Uh, I guess, I suppose it, 
It means he can rest up. He for had the president's seven cup. straight weeks. He was on. Yeah. Uh, JJ Spawn. He did not respawn. He's uh, <laughs> he was he was on the bubble coming in. He finished thirty third. Riley Davis, your guy. <laughs> God damn it. 26 to 35th. Just for the listeners that don't, don't yell at us, it's Davis Riley. TC has tried to implement, uh, in, in, ingrain, ingrain this in my brain. It's not going it. to work. Yeah. It's not going to work. Uh, and uh, President's Cup squads, or at least the, the qualifiers. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. I, I think a lot of more people, I think a lot of people think more people are leaving off that team than actually are. Like, yes. it's the, the Of the qualifiers, my understanding, we'll get into some of this on the back half. I think only Cam Smith is the. We know Cam Smith's leaving. So you got Cam, Hideki, Sungjae, Joaquin, Tom Kim, Corey Connors, Adam Scott, and Mito at the top eight, the automatic qualifiers on the international side. As far as we know, Joaquin is committed to the PGA Tour. To the PGA Tour. Uh, Sungjae, all like Mito, those guys are, are in. Hideki. Committed Very to the PGA committed Tour. PGA Tour. Every person that we talk to on site in some way, every player uh, has you know indicated, and we're going to get into you know Hideki was not in the meeting in the uh, in the article that we posted tonight. Uh, we can talk a lot about all that, but every indication we've had. Again, I want to emphasize this for all the tracker accounts out there that, that are going to take this as news. You can always pull a Kepka. Everyone can always pull a Kepka, uh, but based on extensive conversations. That Hideki Matsuyama, Joaquin Neiman, um, and Adam Scott and Cameron Young. We can we can say definitively, based on every conversation we've had, that those guys are committed to the PGA Tour as of this moment. Breaking news. Amen. <laughs> Which uh, we can we again. Uh, here's another tease. We can get into it later. Shipnuck posted a story about seven guys committing to go, and when you kind of rattle off all of those names, you add the 22 names that were in the list that we published. The, the people beyond that is it, it gets into a little bit of like, yeah, cool, man, yeah. territory uh, other than Cam Smith. Cam Smith is is it, is and gone. has been. And we have have fully said that a number of times now. That sucks. That's very, very tough. Outside of that, the other six guys, I don't really know who they are, but I, I uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to say I'm not worried about it, but it, it doesn't uh, keep me up quite as much as some of the names that you just rattled off would have been. Before we get off on too many other tangents here, which I know we got a lot to get to, I just want to point out something else. The college football is back, and it is time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. And to celebrate the best time of the year, right now new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. And if that's not enough action, you can place a same-game parlay for a shot at an even bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one, like which team will get the win, which team to score for first, and more. I have not looked at any of the... The uh, first week action. I can't even believe it's like football season. It really does not seem like it's it's time to do that. I guess ever since moving to Florida, it's 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 hard to marry how freaking hot it is <laughs> and it, marrying it with football season starting. But uh, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code NLU. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. Code NLU, only the DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 and older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for terms and resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee red line at 1-800-889-9789. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-467. 369, one per new customer, minimum $5 deposit and wager, $200 issued as eight free $25 bets. 
I got um, some free $25 bets when I was uh, up in New York last week. Ca- cashed a big White Sox win. I'll just, oh, you gosh. know, anything is anything is possible out there. Sally, did you end up throwing a bunch on the uh, on the President's Cup? I have not. I think uh, Neil did. Did he? The Beluga is back <laughs> up in New Jersey. I was looking at those President's Cup odds, trying to picture a way that the U.S. could could lose this one. Uh I think when I thought a lot more guys were leaving, it was looking a lot more appealing than it than uh, than I think it currently looks. But um, clean up a couple other things from BMW before we got too far there. Morcal made a ten today. I don't know if you guys saw that he hit a chunk two which in is, the water, which is sick, which is sick, of course. Um, but he's starting to play a lot better golf. It seems like he. I mean, he was de- decently in contention for the most part of this week until he made a ten. Which listen, it's tough to compete with that. Um, <laughs> what did he shoot today? Uh, I don't know. I can check that for you if you'd like. But do you guys see Sorry, the Patrick pulling it up? The uh, the the clip of uh, Rory the the remote control ball on Saturday. I did. I did. did. Morikawa shot seventy nine, which is why I asked. Always cool to see someone break eighty with a ten. That's <laughs> one of my one of my favorite things in golf. Um, yeah. So on the fifteenth green on Saturday, it looked like it looked like a volunteer was had a remote control. Golf ball as a volunteer. Kind of, that's what a lot of people are saying. I don't know the details on this. I don't. I don't know if they ever showed it on TV officially. I think I, I saw it on, like I saw it on Twitter. So I think somebody. Was, but that could have been an ESPN feed yeah. or something like that, or an uh, international feed or something like that. Um, yeah, somebody put a remote, had a remote control ball rolling around the fifteenth green. Rory chased it down and then chucked it into the water to the, uh, to the. Uh, of course, like, of course, it happens. With, I'm sure the guy waited till the Rory group yeah. came by, but of course, it happens to Rory. Um, and then again, yeah. If you if you didn't uh, listen to our podcast from Wednesday, uh, DJ Pie gave a got rave reviews of his reading of the uh, of the Patrick Reed Brandel lawsuit, which I think uh, is definitely worth your time if you haven't gotten back to that one. And it's We're been going to make all the all the impending defamation lawsuits uh, worth it. I'm, I'm I was sure. going to say it's been four more days, and I haven't gotten any any uh, I haven't gotten served by Larry Clayman uh, or 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 Jay. Or He's P. begging for it. So he's begging for it. Uh, the PGA Tour sent a great meme out on uh, oh. what night was that. <laughs> they were, of course, several days late. And I, I will, I've got to say, the tour has gotten so much better at social in recent years that we don't spend a lot of time on here. Making Although fun they're of their back posts. to calling Patty and Patty Ice. That's not tonight. good, but they've gotten so much better. And then they just <laughs> reverted. They got feeling themselves a little too much with a, a uh, the, whatever. I don't even know how to describe it. The meme of the woman yelling in the guy's ear and they did a whole thing with about the playoff and i just gotta say the replies they gave me whole life just listen i'm supporting live until this tweet is gone like you pushed me to live i'm i'm over the edge the, the replies were freaking incredible delete this some, delete you know what so, some some people choke in the playoffs man some people just can't handle the pressure and that that might be what's going on with it, the tour. It, it was truly a bill buckner moment from the tour social team <laughs> I just hate that they that they took it down. They should have steered into it. They should have let it go. They're getting a lot of impressions on that. They let it. I mean, it was up for a good ten hours. It was and, up for and, a long time. And then they took it down. If the it's next up for morning. that long, you can't take it down. That's right? kind of the rule. Like it's, it's part of the historical record at yeah. that point. Yeah. Once it, if it's up for ten minutes, everybody's making fun of you. You might be able to get away with it, and sure, uh, it'll just kind of live in screenshots forever. But no, it was, it was too long. So. Also, we got to talk about the Spieth. Uh, hey, oh, Spieth, Spieth was in the mix. He's closing his eyes on oh the pre-shot. I <laughs> noticed this up close and personal um, when he does his little pre-shot routine, which in person, he's done, he does that a lot more than they show on TV. Like as he's getting into the ball and all this stuff. It's not what we want to hear. It was it was to the point where like I was like, I don't want to follow. <laughs> I think we're good. The eyes are closed as he does it. Like he's like closing his eyes. And I, I really noticed this too. Like when he, it looks like he's just laboring to take the club back. 
he like maniacally oh. blinks on the way back. All this, and he's like hitting the ball really freaking good. Like I, it's you know, it's, it's still it's, the putt. Like the putting's still the issue. It's hard to yeah. marry. It really is. Yeah. And uh, putting, it might be decision making too, because that exchange was that Saturday as well between him and Greller. Uh, yeah. We were out on the course and didn't get to see it live, but um, just the the fifth hole is a ridiculous golf hole to begin with. My, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it's bad golf hole. Uh, five and twelve are both bad golf holes. Five and twelve are bad golf holes. He's in the left bunkers. He is struggling to get it over the lip. It very much if it hits the hill, it hits the hill situation. <laughs> over water to a left pin, um, and Greller's just like basically like, dude, no, chip it out. Hit it fifteen feet. We'll have a par putt. Um, and he calls him off, says, this one's on me. And Greller gives him, okay, I trust you, which we we know that was a lie. And Spieth just fa- – it's a two-minute exchange. That, that, credit to the tour for posting the entire exchange. See, that's that's the compliment to the, their social. They've yeah. done a lot better job with that stuff. Uh, and he chunks it directly into the water. Like, it was just so obvious not to do that. This one's on me, This Michael. one's on me. Okay, sure, go ahead. And he had, he'd start, he'd burn. What did he say? This is a Tuesday or Wednesday yeah. shot. He's, I get it for like a Tuesday or Wednesday, but you know, we're in the golf tournament right now. He, st- he was two under through four. He was in contention at that point. Makes double, uh, goes in birdie six, but then bogey seven, eight, and nine to go out. Has like over. a short, like a four footer that horseshoes around, spits back at him. It's, it's like, it's almost becoming like the, the short putts are, he's expecting these to happen at some point. He's laboring a lot on the short putts too, like putts that um, you know I, I you just see guys step up and and knock in with a quick read. He's just does not look very sure of himself, and they're not going in the middle when they go in. And no. uh, it's he's working on it. So I'm practicing putting a lot. Like it's not a uh, not like it's a part of his game that's been neglected. I'm just amazed at like how hard it all looks for Spieth, and he's in the Tour Championship. Like it's not it you know his floor is just so freaking high he's so talented that it can look so bad and it's still not bad. Which is why I'm I'm not going to say anything I regret here. Yes, I just I, I think will. I need a little time off. You know, like let's get through this event. Presidents Cup is very much whatever, as has been said. Sally, I hope you have a good time watching it. Uh, but a- after that, let's let's just maybe put the clubs away for a while. Let's start back fresh. Maybe roundabout like you know, Kapalua, something like that. I'll be ready for some more speeds, but I, I just, I don't need to be watching this right now. I think that's fair. It's like a trial separation, but it's know? also one yeah. more week. We got one more week. The it's it's more like a over. sabbatical. Yeah. You know, I, I would like to go off and explore some other things over the next couple of months. It's, I would, you know, I would recommend he does the same. I, I just, I don't think we need to be grinding out there together. Watch, <laughs> watching this stuff. It very much seems like a, we were on a break situation here <laughs> when, he go, when he goes on to win next week. <laughs> Uh, anything else from, from BMW? I don't think so. I think, you know, we've got some random live slash tour related stuff that probably slots in after we talk about the meeting. We got USAM to cover, but yep. I, I think it's time to, I think it's time. I just want to give a shout out to, uh, the folks at BMW. They've supported us, I think all the way back to 2017 at this event at Conway farms. When we, uh, shot a pro-am video with John Rom, like it, it, they just put us in a great position to succeed. Uh, like a shit, give us a ton of great access and it just it's 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 rare on the PGA tour it really is for for us to be set up as well as we have I been think like it was like this week we were comfortable we were in the right places because they put us in the right places exactly. and, it, and it allowed us to kind of follow up on a lot of things it's been the same thing at the Ryder Cup in the past yep. as well it's just it goes yeah the, a lot of what is you know went into our article and uh, what we're about to talk about here uh would not have been possible without you know kind of their help and their setup so 
Um, I know we're going to get going fast here, and I know I just I just did an ad 10 minutes ago, but I, I want to get this in before we go because we're going to talk a lot about money, uh, I'm sure, in the, in the next section. And you know what else is money? Cash App. When personal finance connects you to both your funds and the stuff that matters, that's money, and that's Cash App. You know what else is money? A conference room at the Hotel DuPont. That probably costs money. <laughs> Actually, they probably gave it to him, that one to him for free. But uh, listen, play along with me here. Uh, Tiger Woods turning down nearly a billion dollars from Liv. That's money. Uh, Patrick Reed suing Brandle, of course, for $750 million. That is money. Uh, Tiger renting a car uh, yeah. to you know from the airport, which I guess he couldn't fly into Wilmington this week because the airspace was closed because Biden was in town all week. I guess the first lady Get your politics out of my sports. And I'm just season. saying that rental car cost money. That was probably too. The, the fuel of the flight up with him and Ricky probably cost money as well. But BMW purse going up to $20 million next year. That's, That's money. money. Uh, sending, spending, saving, investing, splitting, tipping, donating, gifting, or just typing numbers all in a single finance app. That's money. That's Cash App. It's fantastic. I use it every single day, multiple times a day, checking in on how my little uh, my little coins are doing as well as uh, how, how the stock market's doing. What's going on? What's going on out there? It keeps me connected to what's going on in the world. Download- I use it at the coffee shop, too. Oh, yeah. At the... the- Point of sale station. And if it's a if it's a coffee shop you you frequent, that those are called boosts. TC, <laughs> download Cash App from the App Store or Google Play Store today and add your cash tag to the eighty million and counting using the app. And when you use code NLU, you get free a free fifteen dollars straight in cash plus ten dollars goes to youth on course. Cash App code NLU. All right, should we just start kind of going through uh, what we posted, what what's in the article, what happened this week? Let's lay out the facts. What's going on in the world of golf? Um, we are going to go just the facts and actually a lot of opinion. Uh, we, we posted an article. Uh, We're use, use golf facts for this conversation. <laughs> Post an article titled, Rory, Tiger, Top Players Agree on Vision for PGA Tour Changes. Um, and we kept kind of our article just, just, just the facts. And uh, we're going to kind of weave in and out of that, right? Some things we think of, things we understand from the meeting that didn't really fit into a breaking news article about, about it uh, and whatnot. But... Um, some very interesting things going on, and I'm, I'm wondering if you guys think, can, are aware or know of the best place to start here. I mean, I think for me, the, the place to start is, uh, I, I guess actually where I would start is, is just the idea that this is a group of tour players uh, coming together to hand a policy, a proposal, an idea, a shot in the dark, whatever you'd like to call it to the PGA tour rather than the other way around. I think that is like massively fascinating to me. And I can't really think of another time in my lifetime in my, you know, time covering golf that that has happened. I think traditionally the way this goes is the players say, Hey, we're pissed about X. The tour says, cool, we're going to work on that. And then the tour comes back and says either, Hey, we tried and there's nothing we can do or, Hey, we came up with this idea Let's ratify this through the policy board, yada, yada, yada. Everybody's happy. I cannot remember a time when players have met for weeks, months on end, separate from the PJ Tour to say, hey, this is what do we really want to do and and how are we going to implement it? And I, I don't mean for that to come across as some sort of hostile takeover or anything. I think this can get dramatic very quickly. Uh, I don't think it's that. I, I think that there are, you know, if the tour is not in the room, I think they're probably abreast of what's going on in this situation. But uh, I, I think that's where we start. I mean, that's that's the most interesting part to me. What do, what do you guys think? I agree. I think there's definitely, it's truly the players saying, hey, this is our tour. Let's, let's figure out how to make it 
as good as it can possibly be, invest in our product, possibly make some personal sacrifices when it comes to, you know, scheduling and flexibility on that front and, you know, put our money where our mouth is. And I think the next place to go from there before we get ahead of ourselves is to talk about who those players are, because I don't think I've seen them spelled out kind of outside of, of our report. So you want me to just go down the list here? Please go right ahead. This is uh, truly going down the leaderboard here. This is really actually going down the official, in order of official world golf ranking. We don't want to give preferential treatment to anybody. Scotty Scheffler. These are people in the in the room, and we'll talk about this kind of series of meetings in a second. But these are the people that were in the room at BMW. Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, Patrick Cantlay, John Rahm, Xander Shoffley, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Will Zalatoris, Victor Hovland, Matt Fitzpatrick, Sam Burns, Jordan Spieth, Tony Finau, Billy Horschel, Cameron Young, Joaquin Neiman, Max Homa, Shane Lowry, Tyrrell Hatton, Kevin Kisner, Ricky Fowler, and Tiger Woods, which is a, a heavy-hitting list of players. Basically, everybody from the top 30 except for a couple guys, and, and I think that's probably where more of our... Our more cynical friends are are going to look right away. So maybe we maybe we just kind of go there. Cam Cam Smith also not in the room. Just worth noting that there this was a players only meeting. No agents, no representatives from the PGA Tour in the room. The only person that was there that was not a PGA Tour member was an outside consultant that was brought in to uh, to discuss this as somebody that has been working on this behind the scenes with a lot of the people that organized it, mainly being Roy McIlroy and Tiger Woods. And that is it. It was a closed meeting, players only, no agents, no biases, no, like, let's, as players, talk about this. I believe the outside consultant kind of helped answer a lot of questions about and, you know, provide some insight on how sports work in general and the model and all kinds of things that that go into it. And it was there as, 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 a, as, resource. as a resource. Yeah, to, you know, again, kind of someone outside, it being important that someone outside the tour was kind of talking to these guys about this. And I'm, I'm torn. I, I know a lot of ways we are going to go with this. I'm torn between like, holy shit, why did it take the players, you know, why did the players have to get together to make a new proposal to the PGA Tour? And also torn between why did it take the players this long to get together to send a a, co- a cogent message to the tour as in this is what we want, right? Because I think you can look at this and say, why why didn't the tour come up with this? What have they been doing, been sitting on their thumbs? But at the same time, it's like PGA Tour, which is a major flaw in it, has been responsible for 200 plus people, 200 plus different opinions that with a policy board that is kind of supposed to help filter these things through. And uh, it's been extremely, the players have not been unified in their approach until this moment. And that feels very significant at this time. Absolutely. I, and I think that takes us to the timeline a little bit of, Hey, this well, do we want to talk about the just before we skip past? Do we want to talk about the players that weren't there? Let's do that. Yeah, because I think a lot of people are going to look at that. Cam Smith, not there. I don't think that's a surprise. He WD from the tournament and also is going to live. <laughs> Tommy Fleetwood, not there. Uh, also not qualified for this event. If I'm right about and, that, and he right? he but. shut it down pretty early. I don't know if he had he was burned out or he, he like there was something going on personally with Tommy. I don't know if he had a death in the family or something like that. But he he put out a statement a while back just saying hey i'm skipping some events here i've got some stuff going on gotcha help me out who else was not there hideki which i don't want to make any assumptions about this but the the rule that like this it is not it is players only i don't know if it's a language barrier thing between him and sungjae that either not being invited or if it was communicated to them to say hey we're going to give you kind of the rundown the proposal we can we can talk about this at some time i don't know that but i think i would 
I'm inclined to believe there is something to that of saying like, we, we're not going to have an, even interpreters in this meeting. And again, I want to emphasize if you're just fast forwarding to this part section of the pod, all indications we've gotten from everyone involved in the tour, every player and every agent and everyone we spoke to in this past week, every, you know, sponsor, everyone has said that they believe Hideki to be committed to the PGA tour, despite not being in this meeting. And that there's some creative things that the tour is looking at doing for and with Hideki. Yeah. To, to better reward him for what he brings exactly, to the game. Because he's other than Tiger and maybe Rory, he's pro, he's the most valuable player in the world yes. right now. And the, the, he has the players' support as well to say, like, hey, like this guy is huge to this tour. Like, what do we have to do to make sure that he's an integral part of it going forward? So I wouldn't read into that too much. That's my opinion. And again, this is kind of tricky for us to talk about based on, you know, some facts we know and kind of some guts that we're we're going off of. But that's that's one that's kind of like I don't have an answer to that one. But that is that is the basis of of what I think is driving our opinion. I don't know if you guys agree with that. I do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Any other names that not involved that we want to read too far into? I mean, honestly, that kind of takes us to the top thirty in the in the in the world. I mean, Corey Connors would be number thirty. He wasn't there. I, I don't God, get the, the massive sense that for sure they're going to be pissed. I don't get a massive sense that he's he's uh, jumping ship. But I mean, the rest of the guys in the top thirty that weren't there are all live guys. So I mean, I, I don't Tom know Kim how much is amazing. and Tom Kim who, who literally yeah. just became a member two weeks ago. So I right. again, this is this started at the JP McManus Pro Am, and I think it's right. worth backing up to that at that point. So. July third. Tom's, Tom, Tom's relatively new on the scene. The only other guy <laughs> he wasn't born when this started. Was like some. It's like Sungjae. Maybe. What, yeah, we're saying the same yeah. thing though from yeah. a language perspective. Sure. I don't know if that um, if that would be the case, but I, I really don't know. And I, I've not heard any Sungjae to live rumors. I don't think that they would have excluded Sungjae necessarily. I, I I I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if he was at. So there's a the meeting at the JP McManus Pro Am, which featured a group of players. That list we do not currently have I, i'm sure it's out there somewhere but from that meeting expanded to these 22 players correct is is the timeline and then again that meeting was on january 3rd they also met those same players met with uh jay monahan july 4th i'm sorry did i say january i meant uh july 3rd and they met with monahan on july 4th and over the past several weeks there's been multiple communications calls meetings whatever you want to call them including rory including tiger including outside people including the commissioner i've i've been led to believe that are talking about this they're, plan, they're this proposal. They're keeping the commissioner in the loop, and he's basically said, hey, you know, investigate this, move forward, you have my blessing. This isn't some fucking coup. Yeah, it's not okay. a secret. It's not, yeah, they're not hiding anything from the tour. Tiger's not trying to take over as commissioner. Uh, that's that's just not how this went down. I, I, I don't know where to go with this. Too many places we could go. We could talk about this for like five hours, I'm pretty sure. Well, I think just bringing some some balance to that a little bit it is interesting to me to talk about why it was done separately from the tour right and i don't know how how much we want to unpack that but and a lot of a lot of this most of this all of this is conjecture i would say but uh, i mean to me looking at this and talking to the people we talked to and and you know sort of reporting it i guess is like the the tour is a giant incumbent organization, right? And it's it's very, very hard for a giant incumbent organization to do crazy, innovative things, especially when you have all of the, you know, I, I think we talked about a lot of this last week, right? On, or I guess we've talked about it 30 times now, but 
you know, when you have to worry about 200 different members, when you have to worry about tax status, when you have to worry about like this, that, and the other thing, OWGR, all these, you're just become so ingrained to like say, well, that's not going to work. 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 And what it feels like to me is almost the players kind of keeping that out of the room and saying like, all right, if we're going to do this, like how can we do it within the framework that we have? And PJ Tour, like, this is what we want. This is kind of our, our, I don't know. I don't want to say demand, but it, it doesn't feel uh, super optional <laughs> to me, right? And and like you guys figure out how to make it work. Like, yes, it's going to be a pain. Yes, it's going to be a, a hassle. Yes, there's going to be contracts that are going to have to be figured out and bent over backwards and changed around, and the schedule is going to have to look different and all of these things. But I think it's it's very interesting to uh, to just think about how that conversation is different you know, starting from the place of having the tour in the room and probably saying like, nope, can't do that. Nope, can't do that. Nope, can't do that. And that just kind of feels to me like like why they went that path. It's basically taking taking the excuses away, right? Of saying, well, hey, you know, here's why we can't do that. No, we're starting with the big picture and we're going to work our way back instead of starting with all the little can'ts and no's and everything. And if, it, and which it, if oh, I can ahead, say sorry. like... We've been saying this for many, many, many years. Like, it's not the tour's not working. It is working in a way like it's funneling money to players, right? But the entertainment value has been lacking for a long, long time, yeah. right? And and it just got worse. All right, so something it, like it literally doesn't last forever. It cannot last forever. We've been so confused as to how the money keeps going up while the ratings are going down. The tour is truly a, just an, an excellent sales job by the tour, if I may say. And basically, now it's coming back to the table to be like, yo. Like the alternate, the alternative here is like we literally like don't have a tour. Like the the there's not like a a option here. There's not like we can just like go keep going the way it is. Sorry, I don't know how to say. It's that. like the old pie adage of like, would you rather have a a smaller piece of a of a bigger pie or a, or the same size pie or uh, you know the same size piece of a pie that doesn't fucking exist? Yeah, the anymore. pie might go away, and that's where I think you know there's um you know I I. Upon upon learning about this, I've you know hearing this top players meeting. If I'm, I was kind of going through the thought process. If I'm a rank and file member of the PGA Tour, how would I feel about like these guys deciding the future of the tour? When in reality, it's like, yo, you guys got to decide it because you're providing all the value, right? And without you guys, and without a model that makes it good for fans and brings in sponsors that you guys bring the money in, I don't get any pie is what you're saying. And especially Wh when, when those same guys, hold on, like, especially when those same guys have like, are a lot of them are young guys that are willing to bet on themselves that they're going to be one of those players in that top 50, top 60, top 70. Like we're like, they're, that's my big thing about how this has been reported so far. It's not a, it's not a coup. It's not a power grab. It's not out of greed. It's not these guys trying to to you know turn the turn the PGA Tour on its head. It's basically saying what makes the PGA Tour great. It is a meritocracy to a certain extent. With let's make it even more of one, right? Let's 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 use the existing structure here and improve upon the existing structure and do it still as a five hundred one c organization and everything. But there's things that can be improved within this current framework instead of just leaving and starting something brand new. And that's what, sorry, we're we're not great at uh, going in order, but we haven't even really talked about what <laughs> it is in the plan. So that's a lot of context for some things that some of you probably have no fucking idea what we're talking about. Tell us what's, Sal, you, what's going on. You, so this is hard too, because a lot of this is, 
is you know like we said it's it's basically a letter at this point right it's it's a group of kind of ideas that the players have all and we should say that coming out of that meeting they all unanimously all 22 players who were in that room said yes i am in on this plan let's do this which would lead me to believe like yes i am in on the pj tour as well as far as live goes but what's hard about this is it's not some like fleshed out you know i i, I kind of use the word proposal because I don't really know what other word to use. You know, it's, it's, but it's really a set of ideas on how we could, uh, how they could go forward, which of course, as Neil would tell you, the most dangerous thing in the world is an idea. I will say but, this though. It is, it is a, a proposal. The, de- the, the infinitesimal, the small details of it are still to be decided, right? It is. And that's what, that's it, all of what I was prefacing, yeah. prefacing for is that this, this is, you know, all kind of subject to change. So we can kind of spell it out, but the high level, high level idea is essentially splitting the events into into two groups, right? And you have a group of elevated events for which there would be a limited field. We don't know how many players. We don't know if there would be a cut. I don't even really know what the purses would be. It's not, all we don't know how many players. It is to be determined how many players would be in this, right? It has been reported out there that it's going to be 60 Global Golf Posts, SI, Fire Pit, all said 60. That has not been determined to this point, though. That's important difference here, right? It's an important, important point in this. We don't know if they're going to be cut, no cut as well, but the proposal includes setting aside, I believe, up to 15 elevated events in the tour calendar between January and August. Which would leave the other events as what we would call, I don't know, Unelevated events, small dick events, TC, Norm, perhaps. Normies. Well, they're they're just normal tour events, right? Like I think that's something where, like, one of the big things that's been reported so far in this is that these existing purses are going to somehow be diminished or reduced or something. That's not the fucking plan. No. It's got. It's like these are going to exist basically as they exist now, maybe even stronger. And we'll get to some of the the scheduling and some of the participation of these primary players, but. It all comes back to like the entire f- concept hinges upon the uh, the emphasis on and the agreement of all these top players on we need to play together in the same events more often. Everything stems from that. That's the product, right? Yes. Which is kind of the if there is one big concrete key takeaway from this. Uh, again, I think it's that the players were unanimous in supporting this. And that the players were unanimous, like what that essentially means is like, I'm cool to build my schedule around these elevated events, right? Which like you're saying, TC is just, it's kind of like unheard of, right? I mean, we have a, in the past we have, you know, Riviera Genesis is like, all right, this is, this is an awesome event, but that doesn't mean everybody's going to play it. There were a ton of guys that would, that would still skip that event. Right. And I forget that all the numbers, I don't have them in front of me, but just the, the numbers of times that the top 10 are actually outside of the majors, that the top 10 are all in a field is like minuscule. Right. And, and just to, to really kind of, uh, which, which to, to that point, like imagine like an F1 race with like George Russell not racing in it, which not everyone's an F1 fan, but like that literally doesn't happen. Like they get they get all the top racers are all together all the weekend. And right? when the when these guys do all show up in the same field, the like the ratings like double or triple. Yeah, they go way up. <laughs> which I sorry to interrupt you on this, DJ. I I, I, I want to work this part in at yeah. some point in the conversation to say like, hey, we've also not liked WGCs like. Is this guaranteed to be a great idea for fans? I don't know the answer to that. I think it uh, it 
I think, though, for the first time among this idea that we all need to be playing at the same time, I think for maybe the first time it has clicked with the players that, that this is an entertainment product. And for entertainment purposes, clearly like the numbers speak for themselves. When the top players are there, the numbers go way up. We need to do that more often. That's going to help drive the revenue, and it's going to be hopefully more entertaining for fans. A big takeaway for me in all this is the light bulb seems to have finally gone off for the players on that front and how they have to work together to do it. It's it's hard to describe how how much these guys all act like their own individual corporations. There is not enough. Like, Collusion is not the right word. They don't collaborate enough on their plans, their schedules. They don't get in a room and do this and work through this stuff, which is a big problem that I think they have to own at this point. I don't think that's the tour's fault. Um, but and, that is well, it's, just, it's just never how pro golf has been. Like yeah. it's always been a very solitary. Yeah. And pursuit, certain, certain you know? guys have certain preferences. Some guys like to play the week before a major and some guys don't. And like, that's going to be something that they're going to have to work out. That's going to be a stumbling block in this whole thing as well. But, but also like going back to the product thing, if, if the same guys are teeing it up, you know, 14, 16, 18, 20 times a year, including the majors and playoffs. Then, yeah. Then, then, then you've got, you've got more opportunity for rivalries. You've got more opportunity for themes to emerge. It's not just, you know, like the going back to like Bryson and Brooks, right? Like how many times did Bryson and Brooks actually tee it up in the same event over that 12 to 18 month stretch outside of the majors? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think kind of touching on some of the non-elevated events, I think what gets interesting about them under this proposal is this idea that they would also have a set number of basically promotion spots so if you, you know, if you play well in, uh, I, everybody picks on the John Deere classic. So I'm just going to pick on the John Deere classic. It's so God, I'm so, I'm so bummed about it. It's become like the little stepchild. It's a great tournament. We did it in our own article. <laughs> let's, let's just say that you have the John Deere classic, which is a not elevated event. And let's just say that you have the, I don't know, what would be the next elevated event after that? Maybe Canadian uh, Opens right after that. Canadian Opens. Let's just let's say, say it, for the Canadian sake. Open is an elevated National event Open. after that. Thank you, guys. Uh, although, I guess it would be in Canadian Open with 60 guys, so that probably wouldn't uh, be a good <laughs> yeah, idea. Opens may not work. <laughs> so maybe we, maybe we say the Memorial is you after gotta the You got to rethink how know. this works. You got to rethink it. This is, But it, listen, we're already getting to the problems that are going to have to be solved, and more on that in a second. But... I think what they have the opportunity to do, no idea if this is where it'll go, but if you can almost like the way, you know, you get to a point where it's like, if you finish in the top 10 of a, of a tour event, like you get an exemption into the next week, I think they can kind of do that with the elevated versus non-elevated events, right? So if you're someone like Cam Young a year ago and you're like, Hey man, this guy is, and also like, this is where it really starts to spiral and get like glowing brain stuff, but you could do the same thing with the corn Ferry tour, right? Yeah. Like if, if you are, if you are beating people up on the Corn Ferry Tour, let's get those people to the PJ Tour. If they are beating people up on the PJ Tour, let's get those people into these elevated events. Same just thing like with the DP World Tour. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Let's just create a path to what this is, which is which is what it seems like they're working on. And again, now, all that the details of that are to be determined, and that's for the PGA Tour to work out. That's not on these players. Like All of these considerations are where the PGA Tour should have to... They're, they're the experts in that regard. Because it all comes back to how the each tournament contract is written who you know who who has an appetite to pony up more money is it do we have you know a workday tournament that pops up or something like that <laughs> but i think also leveraging hey we're not trying to get rid of the the history of a lot of these tournaments on the PGA tour like the the API i'm sure would be a a you know that memorial 
Genesis, we've we've talked about. I'm sure Tori, like those events, would seem to be the important ones in this ecosystem as well. And uh, let, last thing, DJ, I'll let you go. The of actual events, not only have they not been decided on, but I do believe there's it's not even set in stone that it'll be the same events every year. Like there is yeah. possible, I believe there to be that has not been worked out yet. That it could be a possibility that they rotate where some of these elevated events go to help keep sponsors happy and whatnot. Well, and that's what I was going to say is just harping on that continually, continually that like this is a conceptual idea. And I I think that's where it's like really hard for, you know, you, you both want to like whip up support for something like this if you're the players, but you also don't want anybody to get married to anything because like the PJ Tour has an almost impossible job, like unwinding their current structure and figuring out how to implement this on a very, very quick timeline. Right. Like to, to both like, I'm sure if you told them like, hey, yeah, you know, after this TV cycle in seven more years, eight more years, <laughs> like this is how we want to change. I'm sure that's one conversation. But as it's just like, oh, no, we have existing contracts, we have existing vendors, we have existing all this stuff. And like, if you don't do it fast enough, a bunch of the top players are going to go to live is a very tough place to be. So I, I don't I don't feel for the PJ Tour in that, like, uh, maybe you could have headed some of this off at the pass. But I do feel for them as far as like, hey man, here's a letter of here's my here's my Figure rider, and yeah, I don't know where I'm gonna where you need to find all green M and M's, but like that's on you, dude. So, dude, uh, one time I had to go to uh, Seal was coming to the Ritz of Buckhead. <laughs> I had to go to six different specialty organic stores to get six different kinds of maple syrup that, that he poured <laughs> down his throat. Like so, so this is essentially oh. asking the but PGA see, Tour to do right, that kind you, of thing. But did I did it because that it. was your fucking job. I couldn't find one of them, but I found the other five. Uh, and that's maybe that's all we're gonna get to. You yeah. know, maybe maybe there's gonna be some concessions made here. But what? Let's let's pause for a second. <laughs> o- overall re- reaction to this from from a pure like golf fan perspective. Well, Sally, you guys- I, Sally, I think you gave you you brought up a good point with the WGCs. Uh, and and I've been probably the most critical of the WGCs of anybody. Uh, I think part of that is, I think part of our frustration with the WGCs has been their world golf events. We had one in Akron for yeah. forever. We had, you know, we've had the match play, which we like. And then the other one, uh, I, I can't remember what the other one, the HSBC, yeah. which it's like. What about China? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about China uh, golf, golf tournament? But the, um, just very much like, yeah, they were unimaginative and guys, it was kind of like a, you know, collect the paycheck with the ski mask on. These guys are still competitive by nature. And if you add context around all this and say, Hey, this is, this is essentially, you know, instead of the tour championship, like you're trying to finish, like we're ranking this inside the top 60. Also, this thing kind of already exists to in a, in a very informal subjective way. There are already kind of our two tours. Well, there's ele- without calling them elevated events, oh, a bad term. Cause they're actually literally are events called elevated events but just thinking of like for you as a fan did you care more let's pretend we're still in the bridgestone era of the wgc did you care more about who won bay hill or the bridgestone like you cared i care more about bay hill maybe that's just where it falls in the calendar that's schedule yeah probably but like that event has some history either of those was like did tiger win either of them sure (laughs) but i mean like it, it was it introduced these new tournaments that just didn't have this history that just felt forced it felt unnatural whereas like Part of the reason why I watch PGA Tour events that have like a decent amount of history is just there's context to it, right? Now we're talking about taking those tournaments that already have a level of context, and they're not always bangers, of course, but like adding 
better fields and like just more buzz and more excitement about it and limited field and a limited TV window and a limited time you have to pay attention and a more likelihood that we'll have a, a you know Rory winning Bay Hill kind of year like we had that one year that just the chances of that going way up that sounds more interesting to me than the current structure like and I, the rating like when the ratings go up and like they they have to sell less commercials that's more time to show more shots from these less players that are in the field the you know like i mean shit we were at bmw this week there were 70 guys in the field they played in twosomes every single day and it was delightful the flow is so entirely different for the on you know in-person experience and i know most of the you know most golf is watched on tv compared to how many people are actually on on site but i i just think it again we're comparing it it's very 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 important i think to remember that what we're talking about currently, like what the current structure of how this past PGA Tour season has been played is obsolete and gone. Like that's not really on the table. Like there's 0% chance that they keep the status quo going forward. So there will be 2023 changes. is is the status quo. And, then, and, and yes, some of these, like the unanimous consent from the players was also like, we want to do this for 2023. Yeah. And, and it was not, <laughs> it's not it's feasible to do. But... To the point where I think, you know, for, like the tour loves to fall back on, hey, we're, it's a meritocracy, it's competition-based, it's not a closed loop, it's not arbitrary. Like the, we, there's objective metrics, you meet these objective metrics, you get in the boat, right? I think the relegation uh, and the qualification element of this is fascinating, yes. right? And let's say you're you're not one of these guys that's in the top 50, your top 60, your top 70, but you're playing, you're having a huge year and you're playing in all the, you know, in the John Deere classics and, and the Barracuda and, you know, Sanderson and all those, like you are in your cleaning up, like you have the opportunity to probably make even more money or be even more successful because those top 60 players or top 70 players yeah. aren't playing in those. And you're going to get elevated to that the next year. And it's also worth noting that in this again, proposal and details to be worked out, the players that are on this upper tier are going to be required slash, you know, recommended, whatever it would be, to play three of the lower-tier events every year. So there's representation from the top guys at these lower-tier events to help satisfy sponsors and be able to sell it. And an idea of, like, way in advance, the tournaments know this and can advertise it. Not Friday before are they going to, like, announce the field list. Like, it's going to be like, hey, so-and-so is coming to this tournament this year. Yeah, and well, and, and potentially, like, you know, they could do it where maybe these tournaments – Maybe you you slot in a different one every year or a different couple every year where yeah. you give you know you give Minneapolis a turn you give Detroit a turn you give uh, Greensboro a turn that sort of thing I think there's there's something compelling about that as well I think the other thing is all this is is potentially being done in conjunction with these guys not having to play a year round schedule and having an, a, a, like a legitimate off season to where if they want to not play, they don't have to play. They don't have to feel like they're being lapped in, in the FedEx cup standings because they're, they're, they're hanging up the clubs for two months and, you know, working on their swing or getting married or having a baby. Like I think from a personal kind of like, like a mental health perspective, I think that's really, really good for these players. Yeah. I agree totally with everything you guys have said. I, I think it's a little, it's a little weird. Like we, we talk about Genesis as probably like the natural obvious example of one of these events that would, that would seem like it would fit. Right. Yeah. It's weird that the once LA open turns into like a closed 
uh, system kind of event. I, I think there's just kind of a price to be paid for for some of that. I think one of you know all of our favorite golf memories ever now will be Max winning the the Genesis and like would he have been in the field if he you know if he was uh, if this system was in place? Who knows? And I, I so I guess all of that is a long way of saying like I hope they get the kind of the volatility right. Yeah. Right. Like I hope they're getting the right guys into these fields, the guys who, you know, I know you're always going to have the statistical anomalies and frankly, the stallings is of, of the world who, who go miss five cuts and then go win on tour, uh, the next week. I, I, for, for that model, uh, this wouldn't be great for, for someone like that. But, uh, I think if they get the volatility, right. And they get the relegation and the promotion and all that stuff, right. It, it, I don't know. It has a promise to be at least as compelling as what we have now and slash like exist. Yeah, like it's certainly not going to be any worse. The best players are probably going to be compensated better. They're going to feel like they have more of a say. I think it's good for the international players personally, where like if you if you do want to go back and play, uh, you know, you, you want to go play some Euro Tour events like the the, you know, uh, TP World Tour finals. Yeah, like the called. finals or you want to go play the Australian Open or something like that. You can do it and not have to worry about about being lapped or, or, or about, you know, missing out on something. Uh, and it's just something, too, to where, like, like you know, I think it makes the tour. Like, you still have, I mean, DJ, to an extent, the Genesis is already. Totally. It's already field, limited. Lim- right? Yeah, yeah. So no, you, for sure. You know, it's like. You're basically cutting 50 guys out of it, right? Which, like, it, it, being at the BMW this past week, it was 70-person field. It, you, it could have lived off 50, right? And you can't do that every week. And it's right? going to 50 I, next year. I, yeah, yeah, I just don't, I don't want, I don't, um, I think, and this is my opinion only, and I haven't really fully thought it out and and all the downstream effects of that. 80 sounds like a nice number to me. And you could do a cut down to 50, maybe players after, maybe 60 after two rounds. Um, just kind of a, a minimal cut off the, the bottom that are the dudes that are 11 over par that are just making everyone arrive a lot earlier, making the TV come earlier, making it cost a lot of money to the networks that no one's watching, cut them out for the weekend. So it's a small cut, but it is a cut, and have 60 guys play the weekend. Maybe it's even a little less than that, and play off, you know, you're not sending too many stars home in that model. And 80 still gives a good amount of spots to guys to be able to qualify. And, you know, there's number 81 on that list is not – you know, is not necessarily beating down the door for PGA Tour stardom. I don't think like you're gonna, you're gonna, you gotta, if you play you good draw golf, line somewhere. If you're gonna play good golf, if you play good golf, you're gonna make it to this stage no matter what. Yeah, and I think they should do like they should look long and hard at doing making at least a few of these international events as well. Like I think it's a no brainer to do BMW PGA at Wentworth or something Dubai or Abu Dhabi or something. You know, Scottish. I know that's an open or you know even looking farther afield like the you know change the date of the Zozo or the CJ cup or, you know, do something in Australia, something like that. But uh, I think the downstream effects as well of for the corn Ferry tour or for getting these younger guys, these up and coming guys in the ecosystem earlier, it seems like it would be beneficial. Like they, it would give you the opportunity to get these guys on the PGA tour quicker, right? If you have this, these, you know, kind of these, the elite of the elite players playing amongst themselves. And then that's more spots to, to give to some of these very promising, you know, guys just out of college or even in college to get them in the ecosystem, get them kind of competitive reps, you know, the, the, uh, Sahis of the world and, and, and get them in there early. And then they hit the ground running and 
you know, it's not like a closed loop kind of like it is now where they have to wait, you know, a whole nother year and a half if they don't have any status via Corn Ferry or whatever. And just to put a little finer point on that too, Tron, I think like, you know, you look back at some of the like best finishes we've we've had this year and even look back at like last week in the playoff with Zalatoris and, you know, if you're having these top players going theoretically going head to head more often, you have fewer players, which has a higher likelihood of, you know, the best guys kind of going toe to toe. I feel like you're just creating more and more and more of these moments that are going to want those young like those young guys are going to want to be a part of and not to sound like a cheese dick but like the money is only so valuable right and and i know people keep saying that about like the open or about the zalatoris finish last week of like man how could you ever want to be a part of of it you know uh, how could that not be where you want to be right like how could you take any any amount of money to to not be part of that i think they're like keeping that toughening that up and also like adding a lot a lot more money as well. So I, I at the end of the day, I, I do think it's like a pretty good combat to live while also not, you know, going to a team thing, while not going to a shotgun start thing, while not going to a 54 hole thing, while not, you know, kind of turning it into like more of a party gimmick type of vibe. Like it's still it's still competitive PJ Tour golf with the best players competing the same way they've always competed. It just feels like an evolution of of the product. And it's not it it's not comparable to live to your point. Like it's not like they're not copying the live model. They're not I've saw several comments that were, you know, saying, you know, basically it's oh it sounds it's sounding more and more like live, which they they vowed they weren't. No, it's not. That's not at all what's happening. And I think we made this point earlier in the week, but I think it's worth re-emphasizing of these guys have dealt with a bleeding tour for the last basically since February when all of this was, you know, the names were starting to leak out of who was going to be going. Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, Roy McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, all these guys that have been committed to the tour the whole time, I've only heard bad news. They've only heard, like, where they plan to play their professional golf, they've only heard of guys leaving that. They've not, you know, they have some private conversations, but I've been stunned at how little these guys have talked to each other about their plans, about, you know, their commitment level to each other, and that's where you drive your value. Like, you guys competing together is where the value of professional golf exists at the highest level. And for the first time, they met this week and reaffirmed each other and their their commitment towards playing golf together. And on top of that, how can they do it better? How can they restructure it so it works in a better way? So not only have they, I believe, stopped the bleeding to live, like I don't, I will be stunned based on everyone we've talked to that if any of those 22 players in that room end up going to live. I don't think it's 100% guarantee, but I'll be stunned if any of them go in the near future. It- if these changes are put into place, correct. Which again, I, I it's it's worth being a complete yeah, long way you know, yeah. cynical contrarian here. Like this is a a set of ideas on a you know piece of notepad. Which that's basically like this is not a real thing yet. Just let's let's temper expectations until it actually happens. Yeah, DJ, and I think that's a that's an important point in that you know, a I don't know what the a, like I don't know, and I don't think the players know either. I don't. Even, I don't know how many people actually know what the mechanisms by which this would get ratified. Is it? Is it a pack vote? Is it a full membership vote? Is it? You know what? The pack brings it to the board of directors, and the board of directors votes on it, and they've only got a couple players on it. Like, how does that work? Um, because because then also it could set the stage for other evolution and change as well, where if they, you know, if this gets kind of 
push through. Then there's the the concept of, all right, cool. Like what else can we do? Like as far as the, the product, as far as different formats, as far as priority, you know, lists and rankings and everything, because there's like, you know, as it stands right now, the tour is so, is so stuck in their ways to like, you can't even, you can't even propose at, at headquarters, you know, shrinking the field size for the players or taking taking the Shriners to like a reasonable field size after after daylight savings yeah. time. Like so you can actually finish the field and it's all predicated upon but you know like like hopefully it's it's evident to the rank and file guys that like this isn't the status quo remains the status quo regardless of if we take this or not, it's like, no, like there is no more status quo, man. And if you, a important thing, again, extremely important in all of this is a, it's long been theorized. And we have said this so many times, like the number one, 10 guy, let's just pull a random number. Number one, 10 has held way too much power with the PGA tour. And there's going to be a lot of people out there. They're going to ride really hard for, you know, the journeyman players. And there might be some journeyman. James Hahn's going to hate this. Of course he's hated everything, but there's going to be a lot of people that ride for that. And, it ju- the only reason it makes sense for that person to have so much power is because that's how it's existed in the past. If you started a tour now, there's no fucking way it would look anything like it currently looks. And there's no like the. T- I guarantee you, this is just my opinion. I've not. This is not coming from a tour source, but I guarantee you, like Monahan is sick of having to deal with like having to cater the league around the people that don't bring value because they far outnumber the people that do bring value. And that the, for the first time that we know of, the players are taking control specifically of that to say like, hey, dudes, you've had your run for a really long time. You're still going to do great under this. Don't panic. We have like listen all the way to the details of this, of how you're probably going to do way better under this scenario. And we're all going to do better, but we have to figure out a way to take the control back amongst the most valuable players. Which, you know, it sounds like, I think two important points there as well is like the 501c6 thing is not going away. Like they're not, that's, that's not on the table here. That's not, they're like, that's a bitch to unwind. And that doesn't mean they're not going to set up. Like, I guess there was something today about the, the, indoor thing that tiger and rory have been working on as well um i think Eamon reported that yeah um and it, you know very like there's there's other opportunities there's, there's other ideas out there as far as setting up for-profit stuff within the kind of pga tour ecosystem or structure or whatever but the important thing is like this is still a member a member organization it's just like the members that i don't know i just i got mad when i read the assertion or the the framing of this as some sort of coup power play based in greed by like, this is it's Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy basically saying like, guys, like this is not the game, but like our professional league is dying on the vine here. Our, our demographics old as fuck. No one's watching. Ratings stink. The product stinks. Like they, are, they, they, are these direct quotes? <laughs> they openly like, they openly make fun of their own product. I, like at least, at least some of the guys that we talk to at all levels of the tour, right? And and at some point, it's like, like why don't we? Like why are we accepting mediocrity? Why don't we change this? And and yeah, like maybe like yes, of course it is them asserting a little bit more influence, a little bit more power over what happens at the tour. But personally, I think they've owned that right and have earned that right over the last. 20, 30 years in Tiger's case, Rory's case over the last decade. And I think most, most players would agree with that. And I think 
pretty much every fan would agree with that as well, right? Yeah, and, and I'll say this for the twentieth time too. Like again, the option isn't like to keep it as it is. I'm, I'm just, I'm just gonna randomly pull up the money list and I'm gonna select number one hundred. I'm gonna pretend that he's complaining about this. Stephen Yeager, who would not complain about it, he's a delightful man. <laughs> I love Stephen Yeager. One point three million dollars this year in PGA Tour earnings. So doing quite well off of playing on the PGA Tour, I would say. And not counting anything that he's going to make on top of that from the FedEx Cup bonus yeah. that he's going to get There's, and yeah. stuff that's in his retirement account from this year. Correct. There's not a renewal option for this. That's not uh, that's not a continuing, you know, you don't have a player option to, to extend the contract one more year. It is, uh, the, the situation has changed dr- drastically and things need to change and it's going to. And like, do you think the journeyman guy has any any recourse on live? Like, 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 let's say James Hahn gets, gets called up, you know, Matt Jones is probably a perfect example. Like, how long till Matt Jones gets booted from live if they get some shiny new object? And it's like, all right, cool, man. Like, we're done with you. We're going to throw you over in the trash heap. And, like, you have nowhere to go now, right? It's just, it's like, you know, I think these guys still have a, a hell of a lot more power and recourse. And it's not like they're being thrown in the trash heap. They're still playing on the PGA Tour. Yeah. It's, you know, these, these 12, 14, 18 events, whatever it is, like, they exist in some form or fashion now, and it's it, it like you have the invitationals, you have the elevated events right now. It's just tweaking the percentages and tweaking kind of you know, hey, the the, the different tiers. I'm already fascinated at kind of the the palace intrigue of like what gets elevated, what doesn't. I think there's a lot of fodder for uh, yeah. for wild speculation around there. Does the players become a limited field event? <laughs> I think that is fucking fascinating in itself. Uh, yeah, I've just a, a, the last couple, you know, weeks, months, honestly, years at this point have, have been pretty bleak. Uh, and for whatever reason today as a, and I don't say this as a, a PJ tour dick rider, uh, <laughs> although happy to be a card carrying member. I say this as a, uh, as a fan of like golf and what we watch every week. This is. I think the the first time I think we've had some some optimism in in quite a while as far as like what I actually am looking forward to watching and a variety of different things going back and forth from week to week between you know the best an event can be and kind of intriguing journeymen fighting it out like it kind of just feels like it takes a lot of shit that's caught in the middle and kind of optimizes both ends of it you know what I mean and and that's that's pretty exciting it, it just makes it clean for the fans right yeah. of Hey, you know, you know where, like, you know who the good players are, which is for a casual fan is tough. Like, I, yeah. I mean, and and then, you know, I think there's other like there's other little W's as well. Like Judge, our our Alpha Judge Freeman friend, uh, she 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 called the live lawsuit ambitious. Yeah, which which broke this week, which I thought which was, I think is enormous again to retaining players. Like now again, this is news that broke this week that the trial, the the Mickelson et al. versus uh, the PGA Tour, I forget exactly how it's described. Uh, a couple players have already dropped out of that. I know Pat Perez has dropped off, and I think Carlos Ortiz dropped out of that as well. I saw that reported. I don't know if that's official. But anyways, that trial is set for 17 months from now. So I believe, and I don't want to speak out of my ass, that I believe that means none of those guys will be playing PGA Tour events for 17 months. So kiss your official World Golf rankings goodbye unless you know you rack up a bunch of T31s and Asian Tour events. Um, and so that is another reason to be like, okay, again, a lot of these guys were lured by as, as Greg Norman's text to Sergio Garcia 
you know, Sharky, Sharky, uh, (laughs) proclaim to say they can't suspend you. They're lured by this assurance that they would not get suspended by the PGA tour. Well, now we know that these guys have gotten suspended. And now we know at the earliest, this ambitious trial starts in January of 2024. Gosh, I gotta think that's a great, that's great news for the PGA tour. And that's another just, again, I I don't know if that has contributed to the commitment that some of the rumored names have shown towards the PGA tour, but I have to think that's a pretty big factor. I saw the the Wall Street Journal got a hold of a live contract. I think some of it was redacted, right? But but some of the big things that came through on it were like the agreement to to wear live apparel. Um, and it's worth noting that these are. I think they have two contracts. I think it was Gooch and Swafford with a bunch of redacted stuff in it. But the contracts are different, and it's. I don't think it's necessarily all live players have to wait. Just as you as you filter through that information, if you do read that article, which I think you should, uh, just note that I don't think that this representative of everyone's offer, just because they all got varying offers. But. but but there's some interesting little you know kind of nuggets in there of like recruiting other players. You have to get interviews approved. At least some of them do and then cash bonuses for major wins as yeah. well i saw poulter complaining on the dp world tour today uh he, he sent out a tweet basically saying you know i really enjoyed the d plus d real check masters which is which is actually a 54 hole event I double D real check which, i mean it sounds like a freaking porn film <laughs> to be honest um but uh he was he was complaining about not being able to post videos i guess the you know they'd crack down or or you know, I'm sure they've they're enforcing the regulations more than ever uh, on that kind of thing. I, ho- I hope some of these dickheads, Poulter chiefly among them, uh, enjoyed a, a couple good months of like smarminess here, because I I really don't think that the next year is going to be quite as uh, joyous. M- joyous is is a good word. Gooch would be another one that is just like, man, I hope you I hope you enjoy the dough dude as like all of your friends and peers are sitting in this room with tiger and rory plotting like how to overhaul the pga tour uh you know and and making probably slightly less money yes but probably somewhat close over the over the long term i I hope you're really enjoying playing for the four aces or the fucking iron heads or whatever team you're on uh that's gonna be really cool i hope the driving range music that's gonna be that's gonna be a a total game changer man i hope playing in the pro-ams with like fans inside the ropes that's gonna be really fun for you for the next x number of years uh it's just it's it's gonna be really cool stuff also i I think think it's important to work like it's worth noting as well like like tiger didn't like lecture these guys or berate them or say like you're i built this and you're messing it up like i don't think I, that's just not the sense that I've got. No, and if you this. can't tell, we we had extensive, extensive, extensive conversations with many, many people uh, about this this week. Like we, I did, I didn't, you know, the the consensus among the guys was to not really share information with the media. It did not really get out to a lot of places, and it wasn't until some information leaked uh, that you know, that I don't consider to be very accurate. I don't doubt the sources of that information that were shared, uh, that, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't know what the incentive was for, you know, if that's a live based thing, or if it's a lower tier guy that's, you know, wants to get information out there. Yeah. It's, it was just misinformation that, uh, uh, was very opposite of, of, of what we had heard multiple, multiple times. And, um, I, I, I struggle to come up with a number of how many hours we worked on this this week is kind of where I, I feel extremely good about the information we have. And um, it, it's, it's also extremely rare when like the people we talk to at the tour 
at the player level, at the agency level, at the broadcast level, we're hearing pretty like we're hearing alignment that never ever happens no. on anything. No, know? and that I would challenge the players too. I know there's uh, this is going to be a heavily listened to episode. I would challenge them. Don't forget about uh, you, you've taken a lot of power back. Don't forget about the TV product because it's got to change, right? If you're talking about taking back the entertainment aspect of golf. You got to hold the feet to the fire of changing this TV product. I, you're fine. I could sense it. I know it. I know it for a fact. You're coming around on this entertainment aspect and what we've been screaming about for four years. But you ha- you actually have the power. We just bitch about it, but you guys have the power to help change that. And uh, I would challenge them to make sure that that's a priority item. Yeah, and that I mean, shit. That the app, the venue selection, all of it. Like, because all that, it you know, is the product. Yeah. Right. That's that's the that that's what the PGA Tour is. It's the players and the the actual tournaments themselves and, and you know, how they're covered. So, I'm oh, tired. and then we so, so there was another guy. I, I'm not sure who it was, but he was saying that his his credential was revoked. Somebody on on Twitter was saying that the or Carlos Ortiz said it in an interview that a friend of his for reporting on live was suspended 30 days by the PGA Tour. <laughs> Guys, I'm I'm gonna shock you with this, but that was total bullshit coming out of Carlos Ortiz's mouth. Which, like, I, like I've had run-ins with. I have so many issues with how the PGA Tour comms operates, does business, their general philosophy on pretty much everything. But like, like they don't. Suspend I don't believe you for that. Reporting on another bit. league, yes, yes. They don't suspend you. Like you could. They don't suspend There's you. There's been a bunch you... of reporters. Sometimes they that suspend your Twitter account. Well, yeah, that, yeah, but they're not gonna like not credential you, right? If you, they don't think you're qualified to, you know, report on it, and you're not a trusted source, like, yeah, they will say, like, yeah, you're not, like, no, I'm not gonna credential this random person that just decided they are a blogger and a golf media person. Or now, if but. you post a bunch of like shit that's cl- like flagrantly breaking the guidelines yes. that you agree to when you receive your credential, yeah. like, yeah, I could see that, and. Uh, we had the Jason Gore news. That's right. Too. Jason Gore has been hired by the PGA Tour um, as a uh, what, what was the f- official title? Uh, player consultant or player advisor to the PGA Tour, I believe it is. So he's not technically player relations. Um, I'm not sure exactly who he reports to directly, but uh, he, by all accounts, had done a great job. Uh, the players would say he'd done a great job with his role at the USGA, basically serving as a person that played on many, many tours. Uh, to help bridge the gap between the perceived pros versus ams, pros versus joes, the joes that were setting up the golf course for the pros that uh, the, at least again the perception among the players was that the those guys had no idea how golf works. I don't know if the same perception is necessarily true about the PGA Tour, but as far as I know, there aren't many, if any, uh, former PGA Tour players that work at you know at the high levels of the PGA Tour, and this changes that or adds another layer there to kind of help some of the connectivity there. And a guy that you know, is was firmly in that 75 to yeah. 150 camp of bouncing back and forth from the corn Ferry tour. Like he was, he wouldn't have been in this top tier, right? He was, he was somebody who's the rank and file and, and a grinder and, and, you know, has seen it all. And so I think that's an important point as well. It's like, Hey, this is, it seems like a pretty, pretty good guy to kind of identify and, and level with kind of all, a lot of different you know, guys, all different members of the organization. Yeah. He had a busy first week, I think. <laughs> Has he even started yet? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know if he started, started, but like it got announced this week. And I think, you know, when some of this information started flowing out there, there was a lot of 
a lot of people of all different levels that I believe should, were hitting he, him up. He should hit JT with it. Justin, we need to talk. <laughs> you keep I, might need to, I might need to tell him about some of my some of my secret spots uh, for being a former employee. There's a, there's a great little secret table up at the uh, Fresh Market in Ponte Vedra. You could you could go hang out. That's that's a good t- good spot for some secret meetings. Uh, you know, I think. Tron, I know we're big fans of the Zoe's down in uh, down in Ponte Vedra. There's just all kinds of Mick Flamingo. Uh, Mick Flamingo is a great yeah. one. Yeah, I, I'd be happy to share some key learnings and insights about my time as a. Well, it sounds employee. like it sounds like the real the real intel at you know beyond the moat there at the global home is is where you can take a dump because uh, all the, all the bathrooms are right next to conference rooms and nobody. This is like to a man. Everybody at the door is like, I don't. I never want to go to the bathroom because all the bathroom is right next to all these conference rooms, and everybody looks to see who's going to the bathroom, and then they don't want. To. That's, they don't want to spend too long in there to get and get judged. That's why no no work's getting done at tour headquarters. Exactly, everybody's all stocked up. up. <laughs> Sorry, that, I mean I know that was TMI, but like that's the kind of shit we hear down here in Ponte Vedra, Jack's Beach. So um, I, I just kind of flipping through and seeing the the basic Twitter reaction and sentiment to you know the news and whatnot. It, unsurprisingly, a lot of people on Twitter have major issues with it, probably without even reading past the headline, but. Um, I don't know. It, I guess maybe just being on site and talking to people in person, it seemed a little, it hit a little different, I guess. I, I, I can see myself reading this report and being like, oh, that sounds boring. But this felt, I don't know, it just hit a little different in terms of how excited the players were. Just, uni- again, the, the, the words unanimous rung, rung very strong in my ears in terms of like, it's hard to get these dudes to agree on much of anything and uh, to be unanimous in this restructuring. I get it. They're all going to probably make a lot more money out of it. That's probably why, but yeah. But, well, yeah. just to just to quickly double up on what you're saying there, I, I some people might fucking hate this. Like that is that is totally fine. Like if, if more fans, limited... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As, if more limited field events is not your thing and you think, like, I, I totally get that. I, I just, you know, would again point to your your point that, like, the other option is kind of like the tour slowly dwindles away and dies. Quickly dwindles Quickly. away. <laughs> yeah, I, sorry, I don't think sorry. it's slowly. And also, yeah. what would you suggest? Tell me right. what you would suggest. <laughs> Keep doing the same. Okay, no, that's not an option. Like, all right, let's elevate the events, but let's make them 156 players. Like... I can I get that, but that's totally missing the point again. Well, that, of that's how, like a misallocation of resources. Yes, right. it's missing the point of how much power the lower level tour guys have. And again, under this model, I still think, based on what we've seen, understood, and and you know, and 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 spoken people about, these guys should do, if not better, just as good in this new model. Yeah, I think there's there's also just like I don't think it stops or starts just with the structure of these tournaments. Right of these twelve, uh, again, I can't keep track of how many it is with they don't the know playoff that events it's and all not that. Known yeah, yet. right. But like this concept, I don't. It's not just limited to that. It's limited to evaluating all you know all aspects of the business, right? And bringing somebody else in with best practices that's done time in NFL or EPL or Formula One or whatever, right? Or outside of golf, because it's not just like like you're not just competing against other tours or other sports. You're also competing against like. There's like a million channels. There's TikTok. There's, there's, you know, it's it like people are busy, right? And there's, it's like a, it's trying to get eyeballs. It's trying to get interest and attention. And and there's different ways to do that now than even two or three years ago when they were working on this current TV deal that runs for another seven years. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily where you start too. I think there's going to be 
like I don't like the pip, right? I, like I don't think you know the pip is something where it's kind of antithetical to what the tour is about, right? It's rewarding these guys for stuff off the course, and yeah, there's you know I, I think there's certain things you could probably do with it to reward guys for playing in the right events, or you know tie it to hey if these guys are going to play, you know at an event here or something like that, you could tie some of that to the pip, but. Like, like I would much rather invest in the product itself and these tournaments and funnel this money through tour pur- through t- actual tournament pur- purses than season-long points purses or, or you know, arbitrary, like the PIP, you know, the subjective measure of popularity mm. out there, right? Then, then, you know, like, I think it's still up to the players to go out and play well and make this money and... Like you know, let's say three or four years in, th- this shit's going really well. Those purses for those events are gonna go, are gonna go up that much more, and then they can always subsidize some of some of the other events as well. Like I don't, I don't see the tour contracting with this model, right? Yeah, I think I'm in favor of the pip overall. I think it is again. We, we've talked so much about the players that bring value to the tour, and that is like. And I don't, I don't pretend to know. Like, and I don't swear by the formula they use. I don't pretend to know how it actually works. I think there's probably going to be tweaks to it. There, um, and they've messed up by not having Hideki. The fact yeah. that Hideki was not involved in the PIP that means they're not capturing international very well. Which I'm hopeful that will change. But uh, I think it is. You know, I just think I, I, I don't think there's again. I don't know how this works from a structure perspective, but adding some contingencies in with taking the money. Uh, they left themselves they seemingly left themselves pretty exposed with like five of the 10 guys from last year went took the money and then left anyways. Yeah. So like is there a clawback of some way in that money? Is it you know, yeah, like you said do you go pl- have to go play a certain tournament to earn, you know, half of your money or something like that. But I guess what I'm saying is is to kind of use that against some of the guys that may raise their hand, you know, the William McGirts of the world that that may raise their hand and say, "Hey, this is unfair, and you're and you're you're playing favorites here." They already are. Yeah, like that's what the pip is. Like this in in this way, it's totally, totally objective, and it's and it's, you know, it's competition based. It's not just sitting on the sidelines at the end of the year and saying, "Hey, we like these seven guys, and they're they're doing yeah. a good job publicity wise. Let's give them, you know, fifty million dollars." Yeah, I think I think wrapping it up or at least this section of it. I mean, I think the only other thing we haven't expressly explicitly said here is this is all golf outside the majors as well. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like majors aren't going to change. The best tournaments of the year are still not going to change. This is basically trying to come up with a way to to make all the other weeks as good as possible and that's where I kind of net out as far as you know, this being a overall very positive thing. But yeah. We'll see. I mean, we'll have a lot of months to unpack this and see how it unfolds and um, discuss, you know, possibilities like this. But initial for week one, it seems like I don't even want to say a good move. I just think it's so necessary, like incredibly necessary. And I'm encouraged by the fact that there's, uh, you know, like I said, some some agreement and, and some action to move forward. And I think it. I think it, it's important to, that, you know, Jay's been involved in this, yet, you know, not like in the meetings leading the conversation. I think that seems to be like an important distinction. And uh, I'm I'm curious to see how the tour handles it when and if they're uh, when they're proposed with it. I think that's, you know, I don't that's going to be soon, if not having already happened. So which that's what I was going to say. I think that, you know, I don't know that we really have too many next steps. We reached out to the tour for comment. We're we're politely given a no comment on uh, on this. And I think that, I mean, I would have to assume the next we'll hear is going to be Tuesday. 
Jay does his annual kind of state of the tour press conference at the tour championship. Uh, gotta think he's going to be, you know, asked about this specifically. And I don't know if he'll have anything to add. I don't know if he'll, you know, maybe he's been in the loop on this the whole time and, and kind of has some stuff already working. Maybe he's going to no comment again. It's just going to be very interesting to kind of see, see what happens. But I think that's probably our next, our next marker to look for. It's kind of crazy that like, I mean, I, I assume if he's kind of acceding to this, A, it means like they haven't been cooking anything else up. And then B, like, I, I don't know. I just much prefer this to some of the stuff that they initially proposed of like, yeah, we're going to do these three big dick events in, in the fall when like we're trying to get away from the fall because guys have said like, we don't want to play in the fall and we're going to do this half-baked team concept in the fall. And it's just like that, that felt premature, you know, and, and I'm not sure if the tour wanted to leak that or not, but like I just much prefer this, right? Yeah. I think so. And I, I last very last thing I'll say on this is like I think that there's a lot of people that love either pub, you know, on Twitter or publicly love to say like they don't like the limited field events because they love so like you love the hundredth ranked player that much. I just don't think it's true. I know a lot of you say it. I just don't believe it. Do you uh, know what a limited field event is? The Masters. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I, I, I don't believe it as much. Obviously, then people vote with their remotes. Like, obviously, the majority of people do not feel this way. So um, I think it is definitely, again, time to change. So Can we talk about another limited field event? The U.S. Amateur? Yes. It's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty big field. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, like the biggest field of the year. Uh, oh, I was thinking it was 64. Yeah, not the... Yeah, not the, no, there's yeah. a stroke play. I mean, it's limited, oh, yeah. limited in that not every player in the world gets in. There's a lot more amateurs than pros out there, too. It's especially right? limited because exactly. they make you play back-to-back -back days in the qualifier. Like True. It's not a one we, day, we found that out. Not a one-day qualifier, as I learned in 2019. Uh, Ridgewood was awesome. It was. I was blown away. I, I, I'm not sure if it was like the Barclays or the Northern Trust or the Deutsche Bank or whatever the tournament they had there. It was like there in Plainfield back to back a few years back. And it was, it didn't really stick out on, on the tour front, but it looks like they've done plenty of work. And just the way that, the way that they showcased it, uh, it was awesome. They had that short par four that was like the green was just spectacular. Um, I don't know. It seems like they're kind of getting a little bit more notice for future USGA events, maybe the 2096 US <laughs> Open. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure if they can fit them into the road even at that point. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. The, the USGA is kind of on a roll right now. I thought Chambers looked great for the U.S. Women's Am a couple weeks ago. The winner wasn't super thrilled. I thought that Sam Bennett, that was... Not super thrilled. I believe you issued a fatwa. I, I did. He looked, he, you know, A, he reminds me of Dabo Swinney. Um, <laughs> but, like, if, you, if, you, if Dabo left Clemson and went to go coach Texas A&M, which is a giant cult... Um, allegedly, and uh, like his his pace of play was just egregious. His his regripping that w was tough. Yeah. He was matting down the rough right behind oh, the God. ball. Uh, it, I don't know the the whole thing. It was like the pace of play was just fucking horrendous. It was like disrespectful to opponents and stuff. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a cool match today. Uh, Bennett and Carr both kind of going at it. The wave god Willie Wilcox on the bag. Our guy. Um, uh, a, a pretty pretty uh indefensible decision i think on the, on the far five there what was that what the fuck Four, was that 14 or? yeah so bennett had gone uh ob with his second shot in the par five and all car had to do was like not go ob he like, was don't have to go for it two down at the time or yeah yeah goes for it hits it ob 
and ties the hole when he it was like basically gifted to him. All you had to do was make a par, and he, but then but then Bennett misses a shorty on the next hole after they both and and I don't know and, and then Carr fought fought valiantly down the stretch, made it to the thirty sixth hole. Yeah, which I mean he was down he was five down at one point in the match. So uh, Hagestad went on a run. He was playing like exceptional golf. Um, like it, it seemed like a lot of the a lot of the better players in amateur golf advanced. There wasn't a whole lot of huge surprises other than like there were some big my guy uh, Ludwig got got bounced in the in the first round he went up against Ricky Castillo I don't I still don't know how that name works um and tough uh, tough look when even the uh you know your Ryder Cup stalwarts are losing to Americans in singles in the USAM it's just tough Castillo was doing like he was he was playing greasy golf man he was getting yeah. up and down from crazy spots um you guys got anything else on USAM I was gonna say shout out to Smiley Kaufman. I, I've not, I didn't get to watch a lot of it, but um, I've, you know, I thought I, he doesn't do a lot of TV work. He's get, getting into it, but man, he's a total natural in it, and I'm kind of hanging on every word he says on shots and how they're played. He just, I don't know exactly what he does differently, but he just does it a little differently than a lot of the other announcers, and I think uh, he's got a, a bright future. I hope in uh, in television. He seems like again, the more like younger guys we can get into it, I think is going to be a, a, a part of like. What um, like adding Colt Nose to broadcast has been additive. Adding Amanda Balionis, Amanda Renner to broadcast has been additive. And Smiley Kaufman looks like next guy up, if you ask me. And I think again, going back to our conversation, like the entertainment value of golf is going to need to change, and that's going to include needing more young people. And I think yeah. he's next one. So uh, I got I got nothing to add on the USAM other than I really laughed hard at the tweet that said uh, Sam Bennett was paying off the big tone uh, goatee gif <laughs> or goatee bet before me and Randy. That was, God, so was some, kudos to whoever made that. Some that interesting that facial and hair. Everyone that's harsh, like, harsh facial hair. Anyone that's ever gotten really mad at me for aggressive club twirls on YouTube videos. I totally understand it now after seeing the aggressive club, <laughs> club twirl from Bennett. I was like, oh, no. Guys, like, I'm kind of kidding, but I don't think he's kidding. And uh, now I, I really get it. I get it. So Big uh, week for goatees between him and uh, our boy Philly Knowles. I know. On the Corn Ferry Tour. Philip Knowles had uh, he needed a two-putt on the last hole to uh, to win the Corn Ferry, the first Corn Ferry Finals event, and unfortunately Boise. three-putted and lost it, lost in a playoff. But However. Man, I had dinner with that guy. I played golf with him. I, I believe it was back in February. Um, we went to dinner afterwards, and I just you know asked him what he had coming up next. And I remember him being – he was conditional status on the Corn Ferry Tour. And I remember him saying like he had a sponsor's exemption coming up for an event on the Corn Ferry Tour that he was excited for. And, like, the spots – the starts were going to be infrequent. And that guy's head to the PGA Tour. His yeah. life has changed in the matter of two weeks. He played his way into the Corn Ferry Finals last week by making an incredible run uh, last week's event. And now, uh, you know, he finishes T2, but that essentially, um, um, I believe, it's, does guarantee yes, him a tour spot uh, for next year. And he's headed to the PGA Tour. It's just remarkable and goes to show why so many dudes just don't quit and why you can't quit, why so many dudes refuse to give up on the dream because in two weeks he flipped his entire life and he's headed to the PGA Tour. And I just, I think that's freaking awesome. It definitely reminds me of J when, what JT Poston did a few years back, almost even in a kind of a quicker turnaround even on it. But JT had barely had any, if I don't even think he had any Corn Ferry status. He basically top five or top 10 to get into the next week. And then he ended up getting into 75 and then he ended up getting his tour card via that and it's the same kind of thing i just like immense respect when somebody goes on a heater like yeah. that it'll be interesting to see if philly like he's not a long driver of the golf ball or anything like that it'll be interesting to see yeah. if he competes well out on tour but 
props to him for getting there in the first and place. I, I think on that note too, it, it just dipping back into the the tour stuff again. It's it's just cool to give like those chases a little bit of context, right? And I think what ends up happening is when you flatten all these events, the the like result, at least for me as a golf fan, is not like, oh, everything gets better. It's like, dude, ev- nothing means anything. Right. Yeah. Right. When it's like, oh, John Rahm won the Mexico Open. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, who, what, what, there's like one top 30 player in the field. And like, what, like, what are, what are we doing, guys? And I think having weeks that are distinctly like, here are the best players going after each other. And here are the players trying to become the best players is where you really could lock into like, the JT post and stories, right, Tron? And like, that's where I feel like I, I've just like fallen off even following those because it just feels like everything has gotten so muddy, you know? And it's just like, there's just so many, like candidly, truth serum, like there's just so many mediocre golf tournaments that you just don't really want to follow any of them. Correct. Like, uh, hopefully this kind of resets the context on a lot of this stuff. Well, and that's the thing too. Like on, on Corn Ferry, there's just, you know, like that's not even on TV tonight, right? Or it, it was on TV, but on a tape delay, Two hours after it finished, so the Dick's Sporting Goods champions, you know, big Dick Sporting, yeah, the big, big Dick, Dick yeah, it's a big Dick event. You know, that tournament's on live, and it's like this is a Corn Ferry Finals event. These guys are going to be on the PGA Tour. You're trying to, you know, kind of introduce everybody to the next group of stars out there. And like Will Gordon won, who's yeah, uh, he's a stud. He's he's an absolute stud. He went to Vandy, um, and it's kind of crazy that like he didn't have his card via. The regular season this year, he had T6 down in Sarasota, uh, T13 in Nashville, solo fourth in Raleigh, T3 in Maine, and then T5 in Utah, T5 in uh, Omaha last week, and finishes like 33rd and doesn't get his doesn't get his card. Comes out, wins, has his PGA Tour card for next year. Hits the shit out of the yeah. ball. Saw him out in Reno a few years ago, and he's just. I mean, he's like one of the longer dudes in the world. One of the dudes that was, you know, he kind of came out, earned special temporary membership through at Travelers, I think it was, on the PGA Tour, if yeah. I remember right. He made a great run at that and kind of thought he projected to go to the moon and it just hasn't happened yet, but doesn't mean it can't happen. So what else? Anything else before uh, before we I got to no, wrap here? I got nothing else. Joel Damon was on the bag for Brandon Harkins out there. I just wanted to mention that. That was cool. Uh, Tom Weisskopf passed away. Yep. wanted to offer condolences there. I think he was a pretty... Pretty fascinating cat. I don't know. They I was gonna a- say he seems like a uh, he seems like a a great subject for a deep dive pod. Yeah. He is a endlessly fascinating, fascinating guy. I'm fascinated by his playing career. I'm fascinated by his him off the course. Sounds like a fascinating story. I'm fascinated by his design work. Uh, just a really seems like a very uh, underrated figure, kind of in the in the world of golf. Thank you for mentioning that. I, I he skipped the Ryder Cup one year to go hunting and fish. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he helped change the Ryder Cup in that way. Uh, there was an article, um, I think John Huggin tweeted it out earlier, but uh, about uh, that guy Yoakum wrote about his uh, his his run-in with quicksand, how Tom Weisskopf like, almost got in, engulfed in quicksand, I believe building Loch Lomond, if I remember right. But uh, that, that article's out there if you want to Google that one. I loved short par fours. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and really just, you know, kind of a – Kind of a big tone in a way, a little bit like a lot of runner-up finishes to to uh, Jack. You know, kind of, and and he was the first one, like hand up. He's like, hey, I got probably less out of my talent than I should have. Um, you know, I think alcohol was a part of that and cleaned himself up. And props for that. Um, there was a twelve-year-old that played on the DP World Tour this this week. I wanted to mention that. That was 
That was outrageous. And then Parker Cootie uh, absolutely just vanquished everybody up on the uh, on the PGA Tour Canada this week. Uh, the cooties are in the open field right now. <laughs> Crazy. I mean, he so had multi front multi front war going on at pro golf. <laughs> he was he was like twenty three under through three rounds. He won by eight. Yeah. Crazy. Um, yeah, so they're, they're definitely coming and then, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. So thank you everyone for tuning in for, uh, another two hour dive. Uh, we'll have many, many weeks and months to, to talk about all of this. And, uh, yeah, thanks again to BMW for, for all the support for this past week. It was a, a absolute blast at the event. Can't wait to come back to next year's in Chicago. And, uh, yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you boys. And uh, good night. It's good morning, I should say. We are after midnight as we finish this, as it took us a while to get the story That's published. It's the first time in a while. I know. I'm ready to go to bed. So thanks, everyone. Cheers, we'll see guys. You next week. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect it.